Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 92 of NerdPod Generations. As always, I am one of your illustrious hosts, Steve Taylor, along with the lovely Al Judson. Hello, sir. Hello, friends and enemies. So, I gotta apologize, folks, for not having an episode last week. Um, I got a crazy head cold out of nowhere, and when I felt good enough to do the show, but I had no voice. Yeah. And as much as I don't want to see myself on camera, I at least need to hear my voice, and it was rough. And I also apologize because you said you couldn't do it, and I was like, oh, I'll do a single show on my own, Uh. and then I got just swamped at the beginning of the week, so by the time I had any time, it was Wednesday, and I was like, I'm just going to wait, and we'll do the regular show. Just do the show. Yeah. Which, yeah, happens. I mean, you know, that happens a lot when we're, we're getting older. Yeah. I got children. Yeah, I was coming off a of vacation. You're, and You got I a had, job from hell that I, works you to death? I had, a, not always, but when it does, boy, does it. Oh, it does. Yeah. And, it absolutely uh, does. And it's not every night that I work until 7, but working until 7 is not unheard of and not, I wouldn't rate it as uncommon. Yeah. As we're saying, this is episode 92 of NerdPod Generations, meaning that there are 91 previous episodes of this is your first time listening to us. Please go back and listen to the back catalog. There's a ton of gold waiting for your ears to just absorb and love. Um, we do start every episode, though, with what have we been watching, playing, reading? And you, yes, sir, I wanted had to few. kick this off, so I will let you start. Yeah, I had a few. I had a few bases I wanted to hit. Okay. Um, so real quick. We don't have to talk about it in depth, but they've released the quote-unquote final trailer for Mario. Yes. and it, Super um, short trailer. Very short. It should get you hyped, but the problem is there's one line of dialogue that Chris Pratt says. I think he says, I'll go to any length to find my brother. Yes. And I heard that dialogue, and I was like, it's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. Everybody, get out of the room. It's not going to work. Yeah. Everything else about this movie might work, but this one thing will not work. Nope, get not ready. It's not going to work. Uh, and you even heard uh, a little more Donkey Kong. Yeah, a little, a little more Donkey Kong, which, little Luigi, a little bit of everybody. And, and the Luigi it was... voice, it, it didn't sound as much like Charlie Day as the, as the other ones did. So yeah. I'm kind of, like, it seems like he's tailored it off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he, he definitely is doing a Charlie Day-esque voice. Yes. There's still a Luigi-ishness mm-hmm. to it. Nobody is on the same level as, like, Jack Black, who's like, he's like, Bowser. Yeah. And, like, I wish everybody was there. And yeah, Donkey Kong, it, it seems like it might work, maybe. I think it will. Because um, still... when I hear Seth Rogen talk, it sounds like what I would imagine Donkey Kong. So, like, yeah. just his voice in general. Yeah, so, so it's like, okay, well, we're going to see, we're going to see. Uh, the, the Rainbow Road is clearly going to be the end of the movie and very badly wants to be Mad Max Fury Road. Yes. So, yeah, I just, I, I the more I look at this, the more I say, I don't think it's going to work. See, the only hopes I have are the scenes that do not have Chris Pratt. Because, like, the part in the beginning when Luigi's in the cage and the star bit from Super Mario Galaxy is, like, lost his mind. Mm-hmm. That was hysterical. And yeah. I'm like, that is amazing. For any character to be talking about like certain death, to have this cute little star with a smile on its face doing it, I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, I loved that. Yeah. I, I'm genuinely curious. I just think that ultimately the story is going to fall flat. And I was I was listening to anybody who loves Game Grumps out there. I was mm. watching some Game Grumps from a few years ago, and they were talking about oh the the '90s Mario movie. I'm like oh this is why the '90s Mario movie didn't work. They'll never do that again. And then they talk about like oh Nintendo is in you know the the beginning stages. This was early 2021 mm. of making a Mario movie, and it, it's probably just gonna be Mario going through the Mushroom Kingdom. And I'm like. I still don't think it is. Yeah. I think after all this, it's still not that. 
I'm curious. And I'm, I want to see what the story is, but I, everything that I've seen, I'm not sold on. And yeah. I think that they have purposely not put a lot of Chris Pratt in the trailers. I think that is a very purposeful move. I think that he is going to talk a lot more than we're expecting in the movie. Oh, I believe so. And I think none of his dialogue is going to work. Yeah. I think this movie is going to be best observed in another language. See, and here's my question on this. This movie's going to make oh, but billions of dollars. Yeah. If it is super successful like that, because there is going to be a critical backlash on Chris Pratt. Oh, yeah. Period. End of story. Yeah. When they make a sequel, do you think they would recast? No, because they've had plenty of time to recast at this point, and they haven't. They, It's not a priority for but them. But once they announced Chris Pratt, mm-hmm. I don't think they could have recast once you announce a, a celebrity of his stature, even if it gets backlash, I don't think contractually you can. Mm. Like, I think he could sue all those companies for every dollar mm-hmm. for saying, you made me look bad by recasting me. That was their screw-up mm-hmm. by, like, making such a big deal on Chris Pratt. They never should have cast him in the first place. No, they absolutely Their screw-up was casting him in the first yeah. place. It's like, here's my thing, is... In a vacuum, this isn't a good decision. No. Like, even if you take all the Chris Prattness out of everything, he's still not a good fit for Mario. No, not even close. So I, I just, it, I don't understand. I just, I, I frankly don't get it of just like, even on its own, it doesn't work. Within context, it doesn't work. Why? Why is everybody casting Chris Pratt in voice roles? He's not that good a voice actor. No, not at all. The, the script for Lego Movie did a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. And, like, I just, I just, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I, <sighs> and really, when you think about it, when the Lego Movie came out, that was before Jurassic World. Yeah. That was, that was after on his the first Guardian. Ascent. Yeah, so that was after the first Guardian when he had nothing but positivity in his career. Mm-hmm. He was still mostly known for Parks and Rec. Exactly. Yeah. Which is the perfect character for him. Yeah. I mean, I, I still, that's the only character of his that I could say I truly loved. Mm-hmm. Because it was just written perfectly for a dummy like him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it like a part of me, if they do make a sequel, I want that to be a Dark Mario sequel of Pedro Pascal's Mario. I just, <laughs> at, this is the worst, this is the final nail in the coffin, the dagger in the heart, is we have a proof of concept. It's not even just like a fan said online, like, oh, how funny would it be? We have a proof of concept, and it's brilliant. It was amazing. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. It's me, Mario. Mario. So uh, did, you, did you see the, the video I sent you that was the scene of Joel yes. and Ellie? Yes. And they've... Uh, replace Joel with uh, Pedro Pascal waking up. Oh my god. Oh my god, my way. Can I speak Spanish? <laughs> saba, 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 saba. It sounds like Spanish. Sounds like Spanish to me. That was amazing. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah, yes. Pedro Pascal has become the new uh, geek lord. Yes. He yes. replaced uh, Hugo Weaving, which for a while, because of The Matrix mm-hmm. and because of Lord of the Rings and V for Vendetta, he was like that guy. And now it's like now, now it's Pedro definitely Pascal. Pedro Pascal yeah. is is this is the the height of his crest. Oh god! And I uh, love that he embraces every yeah. second of it. And I love, which we'll get into that with two shows. Yeah, two of the three shows we're talking about, he stars in. I know, I know. <laughs> so we got to move on because uh, yes. you know we can talk about Mario to death and and the oh my god if Pedro Pascal played Mario, I just I want the fan edit where they just replace Mario's dialogue with non 
it's not the same dialogue, but it's lines from other Pedro Pascal yeah. movies, and they've just dubbed it over. Which Mario I'm hoping talking. somebody will. That's what I'm saying. Take it, dub it, and not Pedro Pascal, but like find a voice that's like better. I'm waiting for someone just to put Charles Martinet yeah. in the movie. Like just have redub all of Mario's lines awesome. as Charles Martinet. That would be awesome. And like the fact that he's in the movie and he's not the voice of Mario still ticks me off. The whole thing is stupid. All right, so we got to move on to the turtles. We're moving on cuz we got a turtles double feature here that yes. I got to talk about. First off, we have a new trailer for the Seth moving from Seth Rogen to Seth yeah. Rogen. We have a new trailer for the Seth Rogen helmed. Who's uh, he he plays Rocksteady or Bebop. I can't I remember. I think he plays one of them. I yeah, can't remember. Plays, which. I know he plays one. I can't remember which yeah. one. Yeah. Um but he's he's helming this. This yes. has like been his little baby project that he wasn't telling anybody about until it really got off the ground and now it's off the ground. And this is Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Yeah. And it's coming out next year, late this year. I think late this year. Um I think this looks really good. Well, it, now Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoon or live action or whatever that actually has teenagers playing the turtles? That actually has the turtles looking like teenagers? And sounding, because actual teenagers I are think playing them. My only one is Mikey still has a really deep voice. Yeah. Which Mikey's supposed to be the youngest of the turtles. So, like, that's always one of those things that it's always tripped me up. Where whenever Mikey has a deep voice, I'm always like, what, but why? Because yeah, Mikey should be, true. like, he's the young one. He's the, the, the immature one. Mm. If all of them are... 15 he's 14 you know like he's just a little behind everybody mm. but he's the novice genius who is uh, ironically one of the best fighters of the entire crew yeah i digress i'm really looking forward to this particular incarnation because i think it looks really fun and isn't it the like spider-verse animation it looks like it, it yeah. looks very like similar it? yeah uh i i'm really eager to see the voice acting the fighting looks good and it just it just looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's it doesn't look like any other Ninja Turtles property I've ever seen. And I'm really excited to see a version of the Ninja Turtles where they are teenagers. Yeah. Like literally, I don't think any property, no. any version of Ninja Turtles has ever had them actually look like teenagers. Act like teenagers, maybe. Especially the bastardized Michael Bay ones where yeah. they were giants. They were enormous. They were like 50. Yeah. And like none of them. One was played by Johnny Knoxville. Leo was played by yeah. Johnny Knoxville. Of all people. Don't insult me. Yeah. Okay. And that's nothing against Johnny Knoxville, but that is not right. Yeah. That is not right. And how how not right is it? They recast for the, the sequel, yeah. which isn't even that much better. It, no, like, not even close. It, it theoretically leans into it, but even then it's not that good. No. Um, But like... I am honestly excited to see mm. this. I really want to see more of what the plot's going to be, but I just I think that this is a weird match made in heaven of Seth Rogen and the Ninja. See, Turtles. the only thing I'm kind of disappointed in mm-hmm. is when I found out Seth Rogen was attached to it. I was like, this has the best potential then to be a true Ninja Turtle rated R. You're thinking like the OG comic book, the Eastman and Laird. Yes, yeah, and I thought. This has that potential, and then it's like, okay, it still looks great, mm-hmm. and I'm still excited for it, but I'm a little disappointed that it's not that. So, <laughs> I'm going to use this as my springboard. Okay. Because, and I'm going to give you my voodoo password so you can watch this. Okay. I watched from 2019, we talk a lot on the show about DC animated movies. Yes. I watched from 2019, Batman versus the Ninja Turtles. 
And like so many DC movies, this is a terrible title (laughs) for an outstanding movie. Uh, It's not available on HBO Max. It's not available anywhere, Mm. which really sucks. I don't know who currently has the rights to it. Mm. It's weird that it's not available anywhere. But this is one of those movies where the first time I watched it, I stopped several times and said, who is this made for? And then I rewatched it last night and I was like, no, but seriously, who is this made for? Okay. Because I think it was made specifically for me. I'm not sure, but it really feels like at times this was made specifically for me. So let me explain. Um, this is your basic story. The The title's defense, it is Batman versus the Ninja Turtles in the sense of like, yes, there is that whole feel of it. But it's also, it's not Batman versus Superman. Mm. <laughs> it's one of those like, we're going to fight and then we're going to team up stories. And you think, like, oh, Batman and Ninja Turtles, this is two flavors that could go well together. And there have been comics with crossovers mm. and what have you. And this isn't the first time that these two characters have met, or these five characters have met. Mm. I'm watching this movie, and there's so much violence. Oh, really? That I'm just like, who is it made for? Because on the surface, you're like, oh, it's a Ninja Turtles thing. It's going to be mostly for kids. It has a big Nickelodeon banner at the beginning of it. Mm. And... Then Raph caves a thug's face in (laughs) and you see teeth and blood just spray, just spray out. That's amazing. And then you have uh, Batman fighting the Shredder. Okay. Let me back up a second. The Shredder's Foot Clan are going around stealing some stuff throughout Gotham. And so this is why the Turtles are here. Turns out that Shredder is working with Ra's al Ghul. We have a crossover. Okay. Everybody's happy. The Foot Clan are trying to steal something from Wayne Enterprises and Batman of course is ready for them and kicks a bunch of foot ass and uh gets one guy down and starts interrogating him and he's just doing like the whole where who are you what are you doing what do you want with it and Shredder caps him with a shuriken to the head to the forehead blood spurts out like he's dead and this kind of shit just keeps happening. At one point, Ra's al Ghul beheads a guy, takes his arm, and uses it to unlock the door to the Joker's cell. Who is this movie made for? Oh, that's I think it's made for me. I think it's only made for me. Because I love DC animated movies so much. It's too violent for any child to watch it. But who is this made for? This, yeah. this can only be made for man-children because only man-children can watch it. They have Baxter Stockman... For anybody who doesn't know, Baxter Stockman is the mm. character that they, he has many roles within the Ninja Turtle series, but predominantly he became this character that was supposed to be this uh, uncanny valley version of Jeff Goldblum's The Fly. Okay. So kind of like this cartoonish, like the scientist turns himself into a fly, but he also builds machines and all this other stuff. So they have Baxter Stockman in this as a fly monster, and he's doing a Jeff Goldblum impression. Like he clearly wants... you. <clears throat> this is obviously directly referencing that movie which no child will ever see because i still can't watch that movie because it's too gross cronenberg just i can't do it i can't do it with cronenberg there are just so many moments in this movie where you're like but i don't understand (laughs) who what there's a moment where donnie finds the bat cave and you're like I think I love this movie. This is the best thing I've ever seen. It ticks so many of the boxes on my list. You have Troy Baker playing Batman and the Joker. All right. He plays both sides Mm -hmm. and he's doing a spot on Conroy and Hamill. Really? Yes. And it's 
amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> and we're going to talk about Troy Baker again later because he's going to come up in Last of Us. Oh, but it's it is so fucking good. And if you can find it, watch it. It was on sale on Vudu a little bit ago. I don't mm. know if it's still on sale, but I'm definitely going to give you access to it okay. because you have to see it. I it's, need to watch it. I I haven't even gotten into the... They mutate all of Batman's rogues gallery. Like, it's it's fucking insane. And that I love it. amazing. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've one, I can't wait to watch it. Now. I have one solid gripe about it regarding Poison Ivy and her whole mutation thing. But, like, that's literally it. The rest of it I fucking love. It's so good. Tomorrow night? Yeah. That's when I watch tomorrow night? Oh, man. For me, I only have one thing. Mm-hmm. I just rewatched for the first time in a long time a 2006 movie that I have loved... And I get my nickname on Xbox Live and on Switch. My name, when you look it up, is Graybush. Mm-hmm. And I get that from a movie called Grandma's Boy. I honestly, I have this movie circled. I'm going to try and see it soon because I've never seen the whole thing. I'm going to try and see the unrated version. So. I have it on, um, I just recently bought it on Apple TV. I don't know if it sh- it'll show up on my movies anywhere. We'll check it if out. If it will, it's in there. Yeah. Um, so it's all of the rogues gallery from Adam Sandler movies. Mm-hmm. Without Adam Sandler. Yeah. And it follows a guy who's a video game tester. He's in his late 30s. And he gets kicked out of his apartment in the beginning. He has to move in with his grandma and her two roommates. Isn't Betty White one of the roommates? No. Um, it is uh, Shirley Jones from the um, the Partridge family. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, and then Shirley Knight, who I know she was in our, something else. But then Doris Roberts is the, his grandma, mm-hmm. who, was the what, who was the mother in Everyone Loves Raymond. Oh, that's who I'm thinking. That's who of. it is. Yeah. Um, and it it Alan Covert, who is the um, caddy in the Water Boy, or not the Water Boy, um, Happy Gilmore. Mm-hmm. He plays the um, the main character in it, the the old guy. I saw him. And then him. Linda Cardellini is like his love interest. Yeah. And Nick Swartzen is in it. It is without doubt one of my favorite comedies. It gets it's a it gets a horrible review on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's like eighteen percent. But I will laugh so... Like, their one-liners in this movie mm-hmm. are incredible. And there is a very memorable part played in it by Jonah Hill in his first major film. Because the only thing he did prior to this is that little scene in 40-Year Virgin where he goes into the eBay yeah. store. It's the only thing he did prior to this. And so you're looking at it, and it is just this young, really chubby Jonah Hill. Mm-hmm. And you're like, holy cow, is that... And it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fantastic. Like, yeah. I love this movie. I was laughing as hard, especially, okay, if you love video games and you love weed, you will love this movie. Yeah. Because it is video games and weed. And yeah. that is it. No, I'm, I'm very interested it's in It's so this. freaking funny. Yeah. It is absolutely ridiculously funny. Yeah. But yeah, I've been going on this streak of kind of rewatching these older movies that I had not seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of them, and prior to watching that, I watched Get Him to the Greek. Oh my god, I love Get Him to the Greek. Which, once again, I know it's, um, it seems like a Jonah Hill kick, but I forgot how funny that movie was. That movie used to be legendary, because me and a buddy of mine, mm. uh, who I'm going to talk about in a second, because we just watched uh, a triple feature that's uh, prescient to this conversation. Okay. He looks like Jonah Hill in Get Him to the Greek. Okay. And so there was always a lot of in-jokes, but Stroke the Furry Wall is still one of my oh, favorite God. things. And also just, like, the fact that the movie is unironically good. Yeah. The music, the musical numbers are unironically good And music. it's a spinoff of a movie, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, yeah. which this is far superior to it. Yeah. That never happens. No. That a spinoff is far superior to the original. I also love the Kristen Bell 
cameo yes. where she's on a TV show. She's, she's on a, a blind, terrible TV show. Blind doctors. Yeah. But like what made me mad about watching this, it's like, how has Puff Daddy not made another comedy? He was fantastic really in good. this. He's really good. I was dying watching. Yeah. I'm like, make a movie with his character. Yeah. It was amazing. I fucking love the scene where Jonah Hill is on absinthe. Oh, and he yeah. runs into Draco Malfoy. Yes. Um, Tom Felton. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. <laughs> well hallucinating. And just uh, another thing that you forget. What's her name? Elizabeth uh, Moss is the girlfriend yes. in that movie. And it's just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> really? Okay. Was, and honestly, I, I really don't like Russell Brand for a mm-hmm. lot of reasons. I know we, we don't get into the little personal thing, but he's kind of a kook nowadays. Yeah. Um, and like even in movies, I've not been a huge fan of his. This movie is the only one that I'm like, I liked him in this. He's, I he had feel, a lot of range. I feel similarly about Russell Brand mm. of just like, don't really love him. Don't really love his whole shtick. I was impressed with his performance in Death on the Nile because he was actually doing like a serious mm. internal role. And I was like, it's kind of like watching Sasha Baron Cohen be a good actor. You're like, oh. Yeah, yeah, when I saw Sasha Baron Cohen and Hugo, I was like, what the hell's going yeah. on here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that movie is so bonkers. And Russell Brand... Like, Jonah Hill is the center of that movie, but the chaos that Russell Brand just peppers into the story, mm. it it never gets to the point of, I hate this guy. Yeah. Like, even when he's telling Jonah Hill to smuggle heroin in his ass, you're like, why do I find this guy endearing? Yeah. You should do it. You should because put the heroin in your ass. When he was getting to the point where he was getting annoying, mm-hmm. he would pull off a solid dramatic scene. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, that's real. And it was, I, I think a lot of it does have to revolve around, it was just a really well-written, well-directed movie. Yeah. And they were able to kind of reel him in in certain scenes yeah. and then let him go in certain scenes. Yeah. The scene with him and his parents when Jonah Hill has to, Go and fetch him. Oh, yeah. And tell him, we're doing this concert. And he's like, oh, yeah, I did sign that contract. And uh, he's just talking to his parents. And it's just like this weird kind of uncomfortable family drama. Yeah. I'm just like, this is not what I expected. Okay. Yeah. This is weird. It was interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I laughed my ass off. I love so, yeah, movie. those I, – I, I have some people at work who I've been um, – especially this one young lady who – tangent – I've been giving her movies because she wants to watch more different movies. Like she, you know, anything past like 2005, she's never watched. Yeah. I let her borrow Stardust the other day and she's like, that was one of the best movies I've ever seen. I'm like, thank you. Good mm-hmm. night. It is, it is it, like, there's this groundswell mm. on the internet of like, the Amazing Spider-Man wasn't that bad a movie. I'm like, fucking right. And I'm waiting for that to happen with Stardust. I'm yeah. waiting for the internet to discover Stardust because it's fucking great. It is. And so, like, this, this, I give her two movies at a time. This current one, I've given her The Grandma's Boy. And I also gave her uh, 30 Days of Night because she likes oh, horror yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, if you like horror movies, you're going to fucking like this yeah. movie. The starring Josh Hartnett, the guy yeah. that I always wish was a better actor in everything he's in. Yeah. And, I like him in The Faculty and not much else. And he, like, his role was perfect for this movie. Yeah. Like, his, or if he does, like, bit parts like he did in, um, uh, Sin City, where yeah. he was only in it for like two minutes. Yeah, but that was, it was also, good. Yeah, but yeah um, so that's my that's what I've been doing lately. I've been rewatching older movies, kind of get back into my. I have three that I want to fire off okay. at you because, and then we'll get to the show because I'm just enjoying this. And I said I was going to bring it up before, so now there we go. Uh, so I watched uh, with my buddy uh, Hot Rod. 
which is a special favorite of ours. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, yes. I Andy Samberg, great movie. Fucking that This movie holds a very special place in my heart for a number of reasons, <coughs> uh, not the least of which that we watch this mm. on many occasions where great ideas were had and we were having a fun time and it was just amazing. And it's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a is stupid love movie. Is it Isla Fisher? It is yeah, Isla Fisher. And it's, it's one of those movies where it's definitely an SNL movie. Yes. Um, you can kind of tell that this was shot in about four weeks mm-hmm. on a lot somewhere in Vancouver. And at the same time, they're doing this thing where they're trying to make like a it's a it's a pastiche of independent films mm. and like the the kind of like oh dad needs surgery so we're gonna do a fundraiser mm. but in this case it's dad needs surgery so to to get money for dad's surgery hot rod rod who is the main character is a stunt man he's gonna do a stunt but the stunt is going to be expensive so they need to go around and raise money so that they can build the stunt so that they can raise money, so that they can get money for surgery. Yeah. And it's just this is the kind of cyclical nature of the plot. You have Bill Hader and Danny McBride and one of the Lonely Island guys. One of them directed it and one of them is in. Dorma Tassano? I'm going to say Tassano. Mm. Uh, play the three idiots mm. with Andy Samberg. They are delightful. Mm. <laughs> it's just everything about it is so stupid. The, there's a line at one point very early on mm. where... Uh, the, Andy Samberg and uh, Jorma play brothers, stepbrothers. <laughs> Jorma plays the younger brother. Kevin just goes to uh, Rod and says, Rod, I don't think you should fight Frank this week. And, and Rod is just strapping wrestling equipment on as he's going into the basement. And you're just sitting there like, what the fuck? fuck is going on <laughs> what does this mean and then ian mcshane plays frank oh the stepdad who is amazing he's so great i love him in this movie because i want to say this was at peak deadwood time too so, so he was a name yeah. and he still was in this yeah. movie and bill Hader is doing all these weird things mm. there's so many weird moments i fucking love bill Hader. this is definitely something if you ascribe to certain medicinal herbs yes you should subscribe to certain medicinal herbs because it will enhance the experience yeah the scene of of rod falling down the mountain is still one of the funniest (laughs) fucking things i've ever seen it's so fucking good uh anyway i digress i've watched zoolander all the way through the for the first time love it uh that was respect my dog there was one of my favorite goddamn lines (laughs) there were just so many moments of like jesus i didn't okay yeah i i never knew the context for this that and the other thing but the other one was mr deeds the adam sandler movie which has the guy from Grandma's Boy yeah. as one of the leads. And that was a movie that I remember distinctly not liking because I really love the original Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. Um, and as I'm watching it, I don't know if it was just the state of mind, the, the night I was having, the Chinese food I'd eaten, but I was just sitting there like, this is a more authentic adaptation than I remember it being. Blackfoot See, notwithstanding, I, uh... but like... That was in that realm of Sandler movies like Big Daddy and all that that I just didn't... You didn't dig? I just did not dig. Yeah. And I have seen that recently. Yeah. Because I love John Turturro's character as the butler. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I just didn't dig. Yeah. There were definitely scenes that I didn't love, but I overall I found it a lot funnier than I remember yeah. it being. And, it, you know, Adam Sandler and Gary Cooper probably shouldn't play similar roles. I don't think I would watch Adam Sandler in High Noon. Yeah, I know. But at the same time, I might watch Adam Sandler in High Noon. 
You know, like no, no, you don't think it worked. Yeah, I don't think it worked. <laughs> so I digress. I wanted to bring that up yeah. because we were talking about Grandma's Boy, and I was like, oh yeah, I also was, what was watching the some gross one out you comedies. Said again? Zoolander. Zoolander. Yeah, that to me still, and, and I, I, I will to my dying day, and no matter what he does, that is my favorite Will Ferrell performance. Mm-hmm. Mugatu is every scene he's in is, is like pure gold to me. I love the scene with David Duchovny. Oh my god, where they're going through. And like I had, I had seen something about um, David Duchovny improving a moment. Yeah. In that, and watching it back in the movie, you can really see that he's like, "Wait, are you, are you serious? We just..." But we it was just genius improv. It. Yeah. Like he didn't break it, and how Ben Stiller didn't break character by flubbing his line. It was like that is a brilliant yeah. scene. That is such a th- that movie escalates so quickly. Oh yeah. Uh, it was just one of those things where I was watching it, and uh, you have the reporter like right after the gasoline fight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's <so the> <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> I love that so freaking much. Where I was watching it, I was like, okay, because that was why we started watching it. Was that finished Hot Rod? No. And Zoolander autoplayed on on Paramount. We we were talking, and he was like, "Oh, do you know that Alexander Skarsgård is in this movie?" Yeah. I was like, what? Alexander Skarsgård is not... So young and it's thin. It's so young. Yeah. <laughs> and very gay. Yeah. And just, like, the scene of, of them pouring oh gas over each other. And then the, the bronze statue at the end of the movie of them pouring gas over each other. And you're just like, I'm sorry, what is so happening amazing. right now? Where is this going? What is happening? Um, I also didn't realize that that was actually directed by Ben Stiller. Yeah. Um, so, which makes a lot of sense. And now. I can say without uh, question that it's my favorite Billy Zane movie. <laughs> yes. You don't like the Phantom? No. Come on. And it's a great David Bowie cameo. It's a very good David Bowie cameo. Oh my God. Like, yeah. that, there's so much great about that movie, which makes me more pissed every time I think about that awful one time I watched the second one, mm-hmm. which was such a horrifically bad movie. I was just talking to Bucker today, and he was like, Yeah, as much fun as it was watching Zoolander, I'm definitely not watching the second one no you get mad yeah like i I got physically upset watching that movie well it's like if they made another tropic thunder i don't think it would work no not at all not in the current climate not you couldn't do half the things that that movie is known for that made that movie what it is tropic thunder is in the same realm as blazing saddles Mm -hmm. it was made somehow it got it got released and it can never be made again yeah like, the second it got released, it can never be made again. Yeah. Like, if this was a meter in a car, yeah. right, and that meter goes up, and then there's a, a point where it goes red, and then the meter stops, this was at the far end of the red. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, after that point, you can't make movies like this anymore. Yeah. And it was, like, right at the tail end. It was, like, it's right like before the engine exploded. I was showing my son, I, I, I started introducing him to the Three Stooges, because I was raised on the Three Stooges, and mm-hmm. I love them. And we were watching the one where they're plumbers, and there's a scene where you have this African-American cook, and it is the OG, stereotypical African-American, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of uncomfortable. I don't know if I... Uh, okay, I'm, I, I, I might have to re-watch all the episodes before, because I don't necessarily want to show them that again. I love... I've gone <laughs> on record on many times saying that I love the Marx Brothers, and I yeah. do. I love the Marx Brothers. Uh, a Day at the Races is a very funny movie. It's a very funny movie. That third act yeah. <laughs> begins with a 
not great musical number and yeah. ends with a not great parade. Yeah. And I will be the first to say that. Um, yeah. I it, There's... I love Hugo Z. Hackenbush. I do. See, it's like, I would rather show my children something with a ton of swearing at this age in their life. Mm -hmm. Things like that, I need to wait until they're like 16, 17 years old. Yeah. Where I can thoroughly explain. We need context. A ton of context. We need the brain to understand what that context is. Which, unfortunately, with my, uh, the, the thing I told you, it happened in my son's school where he had to stand up for somebody of... of African descent Mm -hmm. who was getting harassed, I already had to kind of explain that to a seven-year-old, which I was hoping I would not have to explain until they're a little older. But it's like, you're right. That kind of context, it's like... That's going to be a hard enough conversation to have. We're going to have that conversation, but I just want you to have a little bit more of your youth before we have that conversation. Listen, Fred Astaire is a great performer, but it's like four movies that he does blackface in. Yeah. Like... It's not one. It's not even two. I never liked Fred Astaire. And I loved Ginger Rogers, especially for what she said, where she said, I did everything he did, but backwards in heels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, that's a thousand percent accurate. Yeah. Everything he did backwards in heels. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, all right. We need to move on to our show. Yeah. Okay. So, folks, we got a lot of TV to talk about. We are going to be starting with episodes one and two of The Mandalorian season three. Mm-hmm. Just came out a couple weeks ago. So we pick up where the season two, not season two. Not um, even where season two left off. It's the middle of the, the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, the last <laughs> of the three episodes that had Mando and Grogu in yeah. the book of Boba Fett. I was talking to Buckert about this a little while ago and he was like, I haven't seen anything since Mandalorian <clears throat> season two. Yes. And I was like, skip Obi-Wan. Skip Obi-Wan. Yeah. Watch Andor. You have to slog through a little bit. I still say the beginning of Andor is a little slow. It's it's like the only part of Andor that I don't mm-hmm. love. But once you get to that prison, yeah, 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 yeah. only watch two episodes of Book of Boba Fett. And he was like, why? And I was like, because they're basically Mandalorian season three. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I hate when they do that. And it, he was like, it better not have anything pertinent to the plot. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, they resolve all of the hanging yeah. chads from season two yeah. in it's, those two it's episodes. completely the bridge yeah. between two and three. And so it's like, it reminds me a lot of when you're reading a line of comics. Yes. And for example, Spider-Man comics. And you get to, you know, you're reading, you get 39, and then you read through 39, and you get to 40, and suddenly all of everything is different. And you're like, what the fuck happened? Oh, it turns out there was this mid-issue in between a bunch of X-Men comics where Spider-Man joined up with them, yeah, and it's impactful enough that the next uh, issue of, of Spider-Man is impacted by that. So you have to go and track that yeah. down and read that, because you won't understand. Yeah, you won't have any fucking idea what's going on. Yeah. So the, the beginning of this episode is, is Mando trying to find the other Mandalorians. So what's I can't remember the name of the the female that's like running Bo-Katan. Bo Katan. Oh no, no, the, no, no the 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 forger the forger yeah the um, armorer. So he's trying to find the armorer, and this was an issue I had, which unfortunately happens in a lot of these Star Wars shows. They had to have a big CGI creature battle that you didn't need to have. I like that giant. No, it crocodile. wasn't. It wasn't like it, the CG was great. Yeah, but I'm like, this has. Zero to do with anything. But I really, it was cool. <laughs> it didn't even necessarily have, 
Like, it never gets brought up after even Mando shows up and blows the thing away. It's like... Well, it, it shows us that even after he saves them during one of their baptism ceremonies, yeah. when they would be at their most vulnerable, they still aren't willing to forgive his debt to their cult. Yeah. And so, like, I, I take your meaning, but I, I, I respectfully disagree. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> and I love the death roll that it does. And it, ah, it was really See, cool. I thought the only reason they put that scene in is because the young man is Jimmy Kimmel's nephew. Is that it? That's who he is. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if they're like, yeah, let's put him in a big scene and yeah. make it cool because we don't need to show him in anything else. See, I thought... He's the one getting baptized. When when they open with that, I thought for a second this was a flashback and this was like the origin of Din Djarin. <coughs> See, the only reason I didn't is because some of the characters that we've seen mm-hmm. were in, like the guy with the big Gatling gun and all that. Yeah. I was like, well, he's... Unless yeah. he was... But we don't know how old he that's is. That's true. We don't know yeah. how old he is. But like... I, I thought that was a really cool way to open the season. It was like, cool, but it was, to me, it was a, we want you to just have something cool. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily anything that has to do with the story. And it pretty much was. No, it's true. It it, it was cool. It, it just was, had nothing to do with the story. I think it set the tone. I'm going to defend it a little bit and See, say you that it think set the so, tone. But then there's really not, in the next two episodes, anything really combative like that you get a little creature feature-ish in the second episode but it's like this massive set piece and then it it really does get into the story which i enjoyed when i say set the tone what i'm saying is it brings you back into the world oh it brings you back it's a while since we've been in this world and boba fett book of boba fett notwithstanding it's as as far as Mandalorian goes. It's yeah. been a while, and this is a great way to drop the audience right back in and be like, "Bam, we're right back <laughs> in the world that you love." We got a big flashy action sequence, and Mando's gonna come and save the day, and be told, "No, you still must go on this pilgrimage," which takes him to Dylan, Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers. But um, see, like, here's the thing. And now, this is what I want to get to with this. Yeah. At the end of those episodes. In Book of Boba Fett, where yep. he knows that he has to go to Mandalore mm-hmm. and bathe in the waters. He knows this already. That whole opening scene could have been taken out and had him just go to Carl Weathers. You would get him back into the world because they're like, oh, I remember him from season one. And oh, and then you have the, the shootout, which is more like the Western setting from the first one. Mm-hmm. So that's the only negative I had with that opening scene. And now, once again, I mind you, I like the opening scene. Yeah. It's just, you could have taken that whole thing out, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have affected the episode at all. But you do have people who haven't watched Book of Boba Fett who don't know Well, if know it's this season stuff. three, and you're starting season three, you're a fucking I, idiot. I still, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that in that same... <laughs> metaphor i was talking about before there are people that are just going from issue 39 to issue 40 oh okay i see what you're saying they didn't see the three book of boba fett episodes and so they gotcha. don't have that kind of context so clearly something happened grogu is back uh okay but like we still need to set the tone of the season of this is what Jin's journey is going to be yeah. in this case See, and so that makes me more upset with Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Because it's still bleeding in. You could have taken those three episodes, put them at the beginning of the season, season taken out that whole scene, and it could have just went right in. And it would have just gone right in. This would have been the beginning of season three. That makes sense narratively now. I understand what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that just makes me more upset with what they did with Book of Boba Fett. No, I agree. I agree. Because this is the same thing that you get into with comic books. Of you start doing like, 
I want to build this bridge to this character. Yes. So you build the bridge. <coughs> but when you build the bridge, you have to destroy a little bit of the ground to build that bridge between mm. those two characters. So now you got to go back and fix that. Yeah. And it's like, it's always slapdash because that's just the nature of crossovers. Yeah. It's always slapdash. When in the, the Ninja Turtles versus Batman and uh, the Ninja Turtles are talking about how they, they don't know who Batman mm. is. I'm just sitting there like, I don't believe you. Yeah. And like, there's always some level of, we get it, just like ignore it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Just ignore it. And I think that's kind of what they were doing. Is like, don't look at this. Look at the big crocodile. Okay, that makes sense. It's death spins. All right, so we get to Carl Weathers. Yes. And so I, I do love how they have it where he has completely turned around the city. Yeah, it doesn't and even look the same. No. I, was at a first I didn't know before. where it was. I was yeah. Like, and what I love the most about this they is gotta get rid of the salacious crumbs in the trees. Gets, yeah, that was member berry central right there. I was like, <laughs> oh, that's just like brutal member berry. Um, they get back to the western roots of the first they one. Really where do. they have the standoff with the pirates yeah. in the middle of the street. And then they blow him away. I'm like, this is awesome. I, love I want that. more of this. I love that where the pirates are like, we're going here for a drink. And he, and it's Carl a school. Weathers it's is like, a it's a school. Karga, Carl Weathers character, Karga is like, that's a school. You're not going into my school. And he's like, we're going to get a drink and you're going to serve it to us in this bar. And they're like, we're not doing that. That's not the way this works. Yeah. And just, I love Din just leaning on the tree, being like, we got a problem here. What do you Isn't want that to what do? Yeah, so what do you awesome. want? How do you want this day to go? <laughs> it was just this it big was so sign great. over his head. How do you want this day to go? Yeah, it was so great. Like that scene right there. It really did bring me back to the first season. Yeah. That opening of the first, that first episode of the first season. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. And it, I'm glad because they kind of got away from the whole western theme. Mm-hmm. And they tried to do it in Book of Boba Fett, but they did it poorly. Oh, they did a bad job. And I'm like, man, that was so, like, oh, it was so good. Book of Boba Fett, like, you can see the beginning of Book of Boba Fett as almost like a Dances with Wolves kind of storyline. Yeah. Where it almost could be a Western, and then immediately that's just trampled. It's just run right over by bad writing. No, I, I love this. I'm really excited to be back with Mando and Grogu and the whole crew. I love the the little... Uh, So Mando has decided... (laughs) He needs IG-11. He needs IG-11 back. They've turned what remains of IG-11 into a statue. This storyline, remember for the... Because this is one of my big problems with the second episode. We'll talk about that. So so they're like, you're never going to fix him. Mm. And Mando's like, I need him. And Mando doesn't trust droids. So this is like the one droid he's going to trust. So he builds as much of IG-11 as he can. But IG-11's memory circuit is fucking fried. And so it goes ballistic. and it tries, tries to, to kill, kill everybody. Um, well, it tries to kill Grogu because it still has the original oh, that was programming, the last programming yeah. where it would, yeah, was going after him. Yeah. So uh, they they kill IG-11 again. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they take it to these little worker bees. Which are awesome. I love them. They're very cool. And uh, Grogu wants to take one home as a pet. And give it a hug. I fucking... (laughs) Din is sitting there cross-legged in the the cave, hunched over. I did think the Carl's weather translation got a little old. It got a little old, but it was funny at first. That joke got stretched a little thin by the end. But I agree, it was very funny at first. And the the little Mimas are basically like, we don't have the part, we can't fix it. And he's like, well, if I got the part, could you fix it? Yeah, sure, why not? And so... 
uh, he goes off to find the part and runs into pirates again. Yes. Um, Which, that bothered me because they set it up and you're like, oh, here's the pirate king. And then yeah. all of a sudden... He's gone. He's gone. He boosts away. And you're like, well, that whole fucking like build up I, and the guy looked like Davy Jones from yeah, Pirates 2. I guess this is going to come up again <laughs> later. I hope so because it seemed awesome. I know. I was right there with you. I'm like, oh, how are we going to get out of this? And then the episode ends and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Okay. And that is something that I do dislike about these Mandalorian episodes and I forget that they are so short. Yeah. They're and only it's like just, they, they, 20 they minutes just long. end. Yeah. And you're like, oh. Oh, that's right. This is over. <laughs> but at first I was like, okay, these guys look like the Ravagers from yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. This is going to be awesome. And then, yeah, he's gone. He's just gone. And you're like, oh, and fuck. It, I'm guessing it's going to come up again later, but I do agree with you. There was a level of anticlimactic yeah. to it because fucking Din goes ham on these pirates. Oh, my God. That was so cool. He takes out at least five of them. He takes out five of them. Yeah. Six come after him. Well, one comes after him and then two follow up and then three more show up and he's just like all right i guess this is the way your day is gonna go and he kills five of them yeah and then it, it turns out that the big pirate ship is right on the other side of the moon but then just light speeds away yeah and that's the end of the episode and you're just kind of like oh okay yeah and that was that was so disappointing yeah because it was it was a great battle on the planet with the pirates it was a great space battle with the pirates and then it just ends yeah no, I, like, God damn it. I did want something else. I would almost rather he blew up the last guy and, you know, as he flies away thinking that he's taking care of the problem, you see, like, an escape pod and it rendezvous with the big pirate yeah. ship somewhere, you know, on the other end of the galaxy. It's not even around the corner. It's, like, away, away. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, I agree. There were easier, cleaner ways to finish yeah. that. So then we go to the second episode yes. where he meets up with Bo-Katana on the, I can't remember what, pl- it's, she's on like a moon of Mandalore or something. Yeah, yeah. And tell, he tells her what her plan, what his plans are. Yeah, he goes to her and he says, I need your help. And she says, the fuck you need my help. Yeah. And he says, where are all your soldiers? And she's like, they left. They're, we, Wait, does we he ran need out her money. before he goes to? Yes, he goes, yeah. he goes to her at first. Yes. Um, I think after the IG-11 plan becomes a problem, yes. when it becomes clear that he needs more... But before he goes to Tatooine, yes. he goes... Yeah, it's he goes Tatooine, to right? Bo-Katan, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so he goes to her. All of her forces are gone. They they are all off doing Soldier of Fortune She things. reminded me of Conan at the end of Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. A king without a kingdom. Yeah. And that's exactly... They look, she's sitting on a throne and there's, there's, there's just no a droid. One. Yeah. One droid with her. There's one it. droid on an empty moon yeah. with just the, the sound of waves crashing on the wall. It was awesome. And she is broken. Oh, she is seriously, She yeah, is still pissed broken. at Din for not giving her the sword. Yep. Which, like, I still say there's not much he could do in that situation, as I recall. He kind of won it in combat, and then she he offered it to her, and she can't take it from him yeah. without killing him. And he's like, well, I'm not going to fight you for it because I'm not going to let you kill me i got stuff to do yeah. man um so like i i i find bo katan's character kind of gnawing at times mm-hmm. but here i do like her i thought she was good here the the broken nature kind of helps yeah. to her yeah. character using her in small doses yeah exactly so. this this character who has <clears throat> reached the end of her rope <clears throat> and is just barely hanging on i like misanthropes like mm. constantine constantine who's just like oh fuck constantine in apocalypse war where he's just like, I'm just going to get drunk all the time with Ashkin, and that's going to be my life. Mm. And I'm not going to do anything. 
and uh, she has a very similar vibe of like she's not drunk all the time, but she's just like moping. Mm-hmm. She's moping in her castle, and so she tells Din to fuck off, mm. and so Din goes to Mandalore. Well, no, Din goes to Tatooine. Tatooine. To talk with... He meets with Peli. Peli, my least favorite character on planet Earth. <laughs> I like her, but again, small doses. No. This was a little... I like Amy Sedaris. This buried. was a little too much. Oh, no, I like the actor. Yeah. But I want this character buried in the sand. Yeah. Especially because he shows up knowing that she is full of shit. Yeah. She talks him into a different droid, even though he has traveled to the galaxy trying to find this part. Yeah. Talks him into a droid that's obviously broken and not what he needs. He said he wants a spelunking. Yeah. I was like, where the fuck is... Yeah. Why would he take this? <laughs> Why are you putting up with this? That made me so mad. I was like, this whole basic storyline that went through the first full episode yeah. is trying to put this droid back together, and you're just going to take this broken fucked up droid that you don't even want yeah so are we going to go back and fix ig11 is that just done i guess it's done yeah i, I, I guess they couldn't get taika watiti for any more voiceover I, I do agree with you that that is just like when that happened i was just like oh but it's okay. like why would he take this fucking yeah. droid from her of any droid i don't know it's not even what he wanted no and he doesn't trust droids no so it is it is a little plot holy um, I she, was, like, that was the first where I was like, oh, fuck, please yeah. don't tell me this is going to be. Yeah. But, so he takes this astromech. Yes. And they go to Mandalore, and Mandalore is supposed to be, like, Chernobyl. Yeah. <laughs> the air is unbreathable. Like glass. The... Yeah. At the, the surface has been turned into glass, yeah. and it's it's all destroyed, and the atmosphere is destroyed, and mm. everything's destroyed. And so that's why he needs someone to check the air quality. And so they land... And he puts the astromech on the ground, and he sends it out, and it immediately goes off scans. And uh, see, before you get into it, though, here's another little issue I have. It's a cool looking scene mm-hmm. when he's flying through the like thunder clouds yeah. of Mandalore, but then he breaks out, and there are massive patches of sun. Yeah. And it's like, you couldn't have gone through one of those yeah. open patches where there wasn't a thunderstorm. And I understand it makes it dramatic. It actually made it feel a lot like when Luke landed on Dagobah, uh-huh. where I almost expected like him to come out of the clouds and like the ground to be right yeah. there, like Luke did. But when he comes out and there's all this sun, I was like, it was a poor choice to fly through those no, clouds. No, that's, then, I that's think. a good point. It shouldn't look... I get that what they're trying to do is say, oh, the planet's not broken. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, look how beautiful Mandalore is. But I agree with you. If there is supposed to be this 100-year storm overhead that is blocking the atmosphere, how can any sunlight be getting yeah. in? Yeah, and if you're flying overhead in a spaceship, you would... Yeah. And, like, where he was flying through the clouds, it wasn't very far from where it was clear. Yeah. So it's like, that part I was like, it looked, looked like when it was happening, I loved it. Yeah. But then when he came out of the clouds, I was like, Oh, well, that's fucking stupid. Yeah. No, and I, that was a, I, and I think this is my theme so far with this season. Mm-hmm. I like it, but there are more disappointing things for me than there have been in the previous two seasons. Mm-hmm. There's Just imperfections. Just holy things. Yeah, there's imperfections. Yeah. And with Mandalorian, you don't want to put them on such a pedestal that there can't be imperfections, but you also don't want them to take advantage of their credit yeah. in the bank. You don't want really glaring Yeah, you don't want to have to look past things. Exactly. Like, it's one thing if they sneak past you. It's another thing if they're actively trying to make you just not look. And there was something in uh, 
uh, Picard that we're going to get to. Okay. Uh, that that did something similar to this. And there was another movie that we reviewed recently. I can't remember which one, but it was it was a movie where they literally told you, "Don't worry about this." And it was like, "I'm going to worry about it." <laughs> you know, you made a big stink out of it. I'm going to worry about it. So Din goes down to find the astromech and uh, fights a bunch of trolls <laughs> what trolls should have been in willow this is what trolls should have been is these yes. four-eyed four-armed monkey beast or six-eyed four-armed monkey beasts and uh he actually has a harder time with them than you would have thought yeah but you know figures it out gets the astromech goes back finds out that the air is breathable gets mm. grogu goes back into the cave they they reminded me of the creatures from uh, remember um What's the name of that time traveling movie with based oh, on the old the, novel? The Time Machine. The Time Machine with the mo, mo the, the Morlocks. Morlocks. That's it. Okay. But yes. they reminded me of Morlocks. Yes, they had a Morlock. Very feel. much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and <clears> so <throat> this is the point where I think you started having issues seeing what was going on. It was on very screen. dark. As they go into the caves of Mandalore and they're just flying down, which I did like that scene a lot where he just kind of casually steps off the side of the cliff. No, that was a cool scene. That was really cool. Um and you see all these weird creatures kind of hanging around in the corners. Mm. Uh, they're going through. We're getting a little bit of a civics lesson on Mandalore. And, mm. you know, all these things. And uh, it's a trap. <laughs> this yeah. weird mech thing captures Din. and Which, unfortunately, you don't ever really see. You just see the eyeball of the yeah. actual creature that's in the, like, total mech suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's this giant mech with this little eyeball head. Yeah. And... I was sitting there like, oh, it's going to be a worm thing. And it, by the end, we do find out it is a worm thing. Yeah. I was actually excited because when he gets out of the mech, he seems like this robot thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. And then his head comes off later and, oh, he has a worm. Yeah. Uh, Din gets captured. And this is this was the point where I had an issue. Yeah. Is Din gets captured. Din, I guess, gets a concussion or something. Something weird. Something's going on where he's not in it. He's in and out of consciousness. Something's going on. Maybe he's synchronized with Joel. And he's he's feeling oh, the, the effects oh of Joel's uh, injury, but but Din is yeah. in and out of consciousness. I know you're feeling. And um, he sends Grogu to go get Bo-Katan. So, <laughs> so Grogu goes. So Grogu goes up and gets the, a little crocodile, winged crocodile, is following it. Grogu goes up. Grogu goes back to the ship with the astromech. Grogu gets in. I guess tells the astromech kind of like points on the map like we need to go here. Yeah. Uh, little crocodile attacks Grogu, but can't get into the ship. Grogu <coughs> goes to Bo-Katan. I literally turned to Kelly. I was like, how is this conversation going to go? And so Bo-Katan comes out and she's like, I told you to leave. And then Grogu pops out and, and she's like, where's Din? And Grogu's like, uh-huh. And it's like, we're going. And it's like, oh, wait, wait, uh, but you know like, what? Okay. It takes that creature a long time to kill him because this is my other thing he's able to fly to another fucking planet. Grogu goes to a moon, which <laughs> granted it's in the same system, yeah. but it's a moon. Yeah. It's a different place. He has to go to a moon, pick up Bo-Katan, who has to get all of her stuff together. Yeah. They go back in Bo-Katan's ship. Yeah. And have like a conversation, like have a little back and forth. She once again talks about the beauty of Mandalore. They get back to Din. The robot has made no progress yeah. in whatever it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Is it dissecting Din? We see a lot of Mandalorian helmets just layered yeah. around. What this doesn't seem like a good and, process. And I, that's... Like right in the beginning of it, when he walked away from Din, mm -hmm. I was like, Grogu never attempted to use the Force to open yeah. that cage. Yeah, 
It's like he's shown that he's powerful in the. I mean, when he's leaving the cave, he shoots one of those more M- M- Mordak mm-hmm. things yeah. out. And it's like he never attempted to use the force to free. No, Dude. the the whole thing uh, gave me that sense of uh, straining credulity. Yes, of just like uh, you're telling me something, and I don't love it. <laughs> and like the bad, the bad part is, is visually, it was great. Yeah. But oh, it was amazing. Story wise, it was it just, just made no fucking dumb sense. Dumb shit. And this is the thing: is that like. Going back to the Ninja Turtles and Batman, there are it's beautiful visually the way that they've animated yeah. it's so cool. Uh, and while there are moments in the story where you're like, uh, eh, uh, for the most part, you're like, I'll overlook it. It's yeah. fine. Here, it looks beautiful, and I want to overlook some of these issues, but I also expect more out of you guys. Yeah. I don't expect you to be Batman versus the Ninja Turtles. There, there's they practically have carte blanche. Mm. They, it's an experiment at best. If they get any results, it's a positive. Here, I expect you to have results, and you're giving me this kind of like half measure story that is fine. Yeah. I guess. Like I think that would have been a great time to show the growth of Grogu with the force mm-hmm. by having him maybe reach his mind out to Bo-Katana, not like speak to her, but maybe like visualize what was going on mm-hmm. to make her come. Or like, uh, even if like, I would even buy Bo-Katana out of curiosity has gone to Mandalore because yeah. she, some sensor picked up in her palace that Din was going to Mandalore, and she's like, I'm not gonna... I told him not to go. Yeah. I'm not gonna fucking sit here and let him go. Yeah. I'm gonna kick him off planet. And then that's how Grogu finds her. And it's just... I would take that over. Exactly. Grogu gets in a ship, flies to a, sh- a place, oh tells her she gets in another ship, they both go back, and they find Din in the exact same condition he was in when they left approximately 13 hours ago. Oh, it was so frustrating. So, like, that part I didn't love. <laughs> I, it was I so frustrating. I did not love that part. But we do get back into the feel of things after they get through that yes. section, where now Bo-Katan is like, well, I'm here, we might as well go, you don't even know how to get there. We have this nice back and forth where she's talking about her dad and the royal family and what it meant and, mm-hmm. you know, what what their lives were like compared to the rest of the people of Mandalore. It's starting to seem like maybe Din isn't so much in a cult as it is that that was how everybody in Mandalore was Mm. except for the royal family and their inner circle. And so now that the royal family only has their inner circle, they don't really have those beliefs, but some of the scattered members of Mandalore still do. Mm. So maybe Din's not in a cult. Um, But they get to the waters that they they are seeking yes and uh once again we get a problem a, there's a statue and Bogotan, like reading off a menu is talking about how the the first mandalore fought uh uh mythosaur mm. not a great name don't put myth as yeah. your your preface mm. in a name of <clears throat> just don't do it just don't just don't just don't do it mm. and so she goes over this whole thing and then Din starts the ceremony of like, I'm going to go and bathe in the waters. And he's doing this thing. And what do you, you know, there's a mythosaur in the water. And so it pulls them both down. I did love Bo-Katan jetpacking through the water. That well, that's, was really No, that cool. was cool. But like, here's the thing. Okay, so he gets pulled in. Mm-hmm. She jumps in. Awesome scene going through the water. And then as they're coming out. She goes by the eyeball of this huge creature, and it does nothing to grab them. Yeah. After it had grabbed him and yanked him 
all this fucking way. All the way to the bottom of the Like lake. a huge distance. Yeah. And it doesn't even budge yeah, well, to stop them. It's going to come crusting out of the water at the beginning of episode three. But I'm you also think so? wondering how long it's actually going to be an issue for. I don't think that this is going to be more than a two-minute issue I before can't we imagine. move on to the next thing. So I just I, – I do agree with you. I like this season. I am a little disappointed in some of the decisions that they've made. We're nowhere near Obi-Wan levels. Of, no, not uh, even close. Uh, not even close. Like, they, they haven't done anything to, to betray no. the characters at their core. The characters still feel authentic to who they are. Yes. You still have this cool feel to the show. It, it still doesn't feel like any other show out there. And I... We've survived frog people. <laughs> Let's not forget, season two had a lot of frog people. Yes. Uh, which, in the moment, was fine, but in retrospect, was not great. No. Um, and so, But, like, they weren't plot holes. No. You know what I mean? And that's the, like, I, I agree with you. I do like this up. I do like this season so far. Yeah. But there are far more red flags than i would like yeah yeah i would agree with that of just like, that's what worries me i i'm not panicking yet no i still have faith that everything i've heard about dave filoni is that he is the savior of star wars he takes it seriously he can identify what's wrong with a darth vader by sight uh-huh. like there's a story going around of the end of rogue one of early shots of the the fight scene with vader and the rebels mm. And Filoni just being like, oh, that's wrong, and that's wrong, and that's yeah, wrong. So he directed wrong. that whole redo, redo. So, like, he, I still have yeah. faith that he can do this. I have faith this. in him. I, I worry about some of these story choices, and we will ultimately have to see where that goes. Yeah. I'll be patient, but I also don't know how many episodes we have. Traditionally, this is only like a six-episode season. Mm-hmm. If they go longer, I'll be thrilled. Yeah. But if it's only six episodes, I'd like not to waste a lot of time. Exactly. Exactly. Part of me wishes they would have done what a lot of these like 30-minute shows do is like the first episode did a full hour. Yeah. Then do 30 minutes. Because yeah. in that full hour, they could have done a lot more. If episode one and two were <clears throat> episode one and there were five more episodes yes. to go, I would have more faith in how this was going. Yes. I, I think a lot of these questions would still remain. I would still be like, but what about that pirate thing? That's well, that's the thing. Well. is They could have even taken like the Minds of Mandalore and made it episode two and extended the pirate scene and then like ended it when he was talking to Bo-Katana. Or ended it when he gets captured by the monster. Captured by the monster. Exactly. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I don't know. Still I, hopeful. I'm hopeful. I have faith. <clears throat> I have concerns. Yes. These are the three things I have, is hope, faith, and concern. Yes. Both for season one and season two had standout moments. Yeah. And we need to get one of those. Yeah. I think, because honestly, the, 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 the crocodile fight does remind me of the bar at the beginning of the first episode. Yes. You see him walk into the bar, and it's just the whole thing. that I can take you in warm, or I can take it in cold. That is still the the highlight of this fucking show. This I love this show, but that is still one of the greatest moments of the entire. See to me the Bill show. Burr one, and when yeah. they're sitting there talking to the Imperial, and he's just staring at him and then shoots his ass. Yeah, and that gives him the old fuck look. Yeah, that was. But you know, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, I to me we need to get to more of that scene from the first episode, 
the scene of the first episode in this where they're doing the the shootout and the street less big massive set pieces mm-hmm. more tight well yeah. told because that's like season two was so great because mm-hmm. you really didn't have these massive no you had some tight really well told stories they still did some creature stuff <clears throat> like the ice spider yeah and, but it was an amazing you know it wasn't but massive thing. no and it, it didn't it <clears throat> was the cherry on top of the story exactly right so we've talked a lot about this before how do you orchestrate where and how many action sequences yeah. go into a thing? She-Hulk had too few. Other things have had too many. Here, the issue seems to be scale. Yes. If you scaled back some of these action sequences, they would have more impact. Yes. But because they're so big and idea-filled of like, oh, Grogu's old enough not only to save the day, but to go to another whole place yeah. to save the day. And he's going to go on his own. And it's just like, let's scale this back a little bit. And as fun as the big crocodile thing is, to me, it's just, it, it's a fun way to start a season, but it's also a cheap way to start a yeah. season. Yeah, it is cheap it, thrills. Very cheap thrills. Yeah. And it's like, this show has proven that it's more than that. It's monster trucks. Yes. And, uh, you know, I love, you know, the idea of, of a monster truck. Mm. But the show is more of a Ferrari yeah. than a monster truck. Yeah, you you wouldn't go to Monaco. Well, actually, you know what? I take that back. If you did the the Monaco pre <laughs> in a monster truck. with a, with like twelve monster trucks, <laughs> that'd be awesome. I, I would watch that'd that. A, that. That'd be a very American thing. I take that, that back one hundred percent. I would watch that. <clears throat> I would watch the shit out of that. Okay, so hopes are still up for Mandalorian season three. Yes. Talk more about next week. So now we got to get into Star Trek Picard. Yes. Okay. So last we left, they we were in a cat and mouse fight in the nebula. Yes. And things So the were, Enterprise, or not the Enterprise, the Titan, the Titan had just turned into the nebula and Amanda Plummer's ship is chasing them. Yes. And then you also are left off with Worf had just saved Rafi. Rafi. Um, so that's how we left off. Yes. So this episode is a tale of two episodes. Yes. Everything that takes place on the Titan. Great. Fantastic. In fact... Gates McFadden, mm-hmm. when she is discussing with Picard yeah. on why she did not tell him about this, her, his son, mm-hmm. was fan like her acting was fantastic. Yeah, and that whole part was great. One of the ways that you know this show is great. Any show you can just be watching and just be like, me and Kelly actively are talking to each other and the TV as things are happening. Yeah, characters say things, and we're both like. But wait, no, hang on, wait a minute. And we have conflicting opinions about how things should be handled and what's mm. going on, um, which we'll get back to. Nice. But there were a lot of moments in that conversation of just being like, but I guess, but like, ah, ah. and that is how good the writing and acting yeah. and, and directing is here. And, and where the part is where you're like, you should still have told him when she says, I told him and then gave him the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, is there you're like, Oh, that's a different thing now. That changes the entire. And there's a great scene in the episode after the next episode where that really, really resonant dagger in the heart. Yeah. So, so while all this is happening, Picard now knows that Jack is his son. Yes. They're they're trying to figure out things, and also Shaw is still not a huge fan of what's going on. Um, and so they're going through the nebula. And Shaw is growing on me. I am agreeing with you. Very much so. And we'll come back again to that yes. in episode four. Episode four is a champ. Episode four, episode four is, is champ. fucking fantastic. Um, 
we'll get to that. Shaw is going through the nebula. He's being chased by Amanda Plummer. They're still trying to figure out what's going on. Meanwhile, we're getting hints and clues as to all these other things that are happening in the peripherals of the story, right? And Vatic is Amanda Plummer's character. Yes, she is chasing them deeper and deeper into the nebula, and they're losing more and more of their sensors. And she can always find them. How is she always finding them? Yes. And so Seven and Jack Crusher get together and they're like this doesn't make any sense what how is she doing this what if there's like a leak what if there's something going on and they go and they find a leak in engineering and a weird goo man was <laughs> making things difficult which is something that ties this into deep space nine because the head of security in that was a changeling from the same like, they even show his picture mm-hmm. in the second one when they're, lo- like, trying to decide how to contain the changeling. Yeah. And I was like, that's a cool way to connect another series yeah. to this. Yeah. No, so uh, there's been a saboteur. Yes. And that's how they are being followed so closely. Um, so the the saboteur has basically um, put the exhaust pipe back into the car. Yes. <laughs> and it's just leaking exhaust into the car, and that extra exhaust is now giving off this signal that amanda Plummer can follow and you can't go in to fix it without an oxygen mask of some kind uh-huh. uh and so they go in and they start fixing it and seven has to go to another room to fix another part of it and the goo man comes back and takes off jack's uh mask and punches him in the head and uh fiddles with a few things and mm. then disappears again but we now know that there is a goo man and he is on board and uh this is a problem for a number of reasons oh, a huge fucking problem yeah um, so meanwhile, Picard oh is going through therapy with Crusher and trying to figure out what happened and all these other things. Meanwhile, the fight with Vatic is not going well. Not at all. And Shaw is thrown like 10 feet. <laughs> and I love how, unlike other Star Trek, uh-huh. where they get thrown 10 feet and they get up and they're like, hey, he's fucked up. He he's, he has like a compound fracture in of his, his leg, leg and his he's got a concussion. He's got a like concussion. He's really fucked up. His arm's gonna have to go into a slit. Like all kinds of problems. Yes. And he turns to Riker and he's like, "Your circus, your monkeys now, motherfucker." Yeah. Like you're, you're gonna the have to take now, care of this, Captain Phillips. Yeah. Um. So <clears throat> Riker is now in control, control, which opens up this unbelievably great dynamic about Riker, mm-hmm. which he used to be the ballsy one. Mm-hmm. But he, you find out that he he had lost his son, which I don't think they've ever really said how that... No, they talk about it briefly in Picard Season 1. They bring up yes. that he had a son that died, but we don't know too much about it. And they bring it up in this, and because of that, he doesn't like taking chances anymore, which causes strife between him and Picard, yeah. which is an awesome dynamic. You get a great moment where Riker and Picard are setting stuff up in the captain's chair... And Picard turns to Riker and says, I think you should really start calling me number one. Yes, like, oh, which was yeah. awesome. Oh, fuck. These are the and then look at Riker's face. You're yeah. like, that's awesome. Yeah, these are the member berries we love. Yeah. This, is, this is the flavor of member berry that works for us. Yeah. Um, and then by the end of the episode, they're at each other's throats. Yeah. They are just not getting along. And you get this sense of... Because it was at the end of this episode where Riker says, I think you need to leave. Oh, yes, because Picard yeah. talks Riker into well, Riker... firing on... The ship. So Riker, Riker's plan is the nebula is draining power. Yes. We're going to siphon enough power out of other systems to activate the warp core and try and get out of here. Yes. 
but we can't do that until we get out of the nebula so we have to do that first so we start setting out of the nebula and vatic cuts him off and picard's like we gotta fight this is the time to fight and riker's like no this is the time to run yeah and vatic starts charging up this weapon and riker's like we're going that way yeah and Vatic shoots this weapon, and it's a teleport gun. The teleport gun that was used to destroy the the, the, the outpost. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, it teleports the ship right back into basically where it was. Yeah. Or no, it, it teleports Facing it right in front of her. Yeah, yeah. Right in front of her. They try it again, and the exact same thing happens. And Picard's like, "Do you want to fight now?" And Riker's like, "Okay, fire everything." And she does it again. And this time, all of the projectiles hit the yes, back of the, yes. the Titan. And now everything's fried. And they're pretty much falling. They start falling into the, the gravity well that they were told, don't go into the gravity yeah. well. Yeah, they're going into the gravity yeah. well. And uh, meanwhile, while all this is happening, you have interstitials with Worf and Rafi Dude, doing stupid bullshit. The only thing that comes out of the, the Worf and Rafi is you find out that it's a changeling. There's another changeling like with their storyline. Like conspiracy thing. Yeah. They also encounter a changeling who is seemingly a druggie, but he's not. Yeah. And uh, they are trying to decide whether they are a dynamic that works or yeah. not. And like I said before... This was the first episode where the Wharf Raffy thing, I was like, this is pissing me off. Yeah. Because it was taking you away from the awesomeness that yeah. was going on on the table. That good cop, bad cop scene, I was so bored of. Oh, so bad. I was just like, I fucking stopped. I yeah. Just fucking stop. I, I literally, I was sitting there, and after Rafi would do something, I was like, what do you bring to this scenario? What talents what experience what anything do you bring to you bring nothing to the table why are you here go home and now they have the Worf raffi team up which i was afraid was gonna be a big part of episode four luckily spoilers fully cut from episode four four. (laughs) the end of so um picard's son is like on death's doorstep yeah 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 because of all the fumes and that was a really touching scene of, of Riker looking at Picard and said, you need you gotta to go, go be with him. Yeah, because so Riker, he... Riker when, he, when his son was born, there were complications. Yes. And it took him 17 seconds to ride the hyperlift to the medical bay. Yeah. And the episode is called 17 Seconds. Mm. And so this is the 17 seconds that Picard has to walk through. Yeah. Is get into the hyperlift. And I think it has like 17 seconds. It's crazy. Almost on the dot. Yeah. And he gets in, and there's Jack on a table, and he is just in a bad way. Very bad way. Um, but he ends up... Recovering. Recovering. And then the whole thing with the, the photon torpedoes hitting the Titan happens, and the episode ends with Riker looking at our card saying... You've killed us all. You've killed us all. I think it's time you leave the bridge. Yeah. And I was like, that is fucking awesome and picard does he does because he, he knows he, he sees fucked what up. happened and he says yeah i gotta go yeah that's it I he gotta knows go. he fucked up and so episode four begins with picard in 10 forward in san francisco trying to eat lunch yes and a bunch of cadets come over and they're just quizzing him about a lot of things and this is a flashback five years it's five years earlier five years earlier yes and so uh <clears throat> he is just, you know, all at once he seems annoyed, but actually he's really enjoying yeah. it. He's really kind of And the funny it. part is, is I like those scenes, mm-hmm. but at first I'm like, why the hell are they doing these? And then you find out yeah. at the end. But we'll save that for the Yeah, end. so so this keeps on coming up. These these are interstitials that get yes. mixed in every few things into the episode. Um, and so then, meanwhile, you have 
Seven is hunting this changeling. Yes. Riker is trying to put any elements of the ship back together so that they can get anything going. Yes. And Jack and uh, Picard are like... They're on a holodeck in yeah, a bar. I guess we're going to die. Let's go to 10 forward. Which is fucking awesome. <laughs> so, like, that was one of those moments where Kelly pointed out first. Uh, they go into the holodeck. And there's before this, there's this whole sequence on the bridge where they're talking about how we don't have this. We don't have this. Life support's at this. Power's at this. Engines are at this. Impulse is dead. Warp is dead. We're going to run out of air in about four hours. It's going to take us six hours to fix anything on the ship. We're only falling further into this gravity well. There's these weird spikes of energy coming out yeah. of it. All of this is bad. We're all going to die. Then Picard and Jack go on the holodeck. And me and or Kelly was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> but I love how they... <laughs> they explain it. So well. Yeah, they're like, Jack is like, so why is this open? And Picard's like, because in times of strife, you need something that will help you relax. And so this runs on its own reserve power that is different from the rest of the entire ship. And how they make it as... When in a situation like this where you know you're going to die, yeah. you might as well die in a place that makes you feel comfortable. And all those other yeah, come um, in and you're like, holy as, shit. As Jack and Picard are just going over stuff and talking, yeah. I, there was another great moment where Jack was like, so. And I, I to the TV say, the hair. And Jack says, the hair. hair. <laughs> when does that come? What, is, what does Picard say? How old are you now? How 24. I want to get too used yeah, to it. Yeah. Enjoy it while you can. <laughs> so awesome and so like but just, then literally the best shaw moment uh-huh yeah happens. so so they they have all these great moments picard oh basically God. tells us how we're going to solve this problem because he and the original jack crusher beverly's first husband had this whole thing where they were going to go get laid and yeah then it didn't work out real great on the way back and home. i love how jack says you were going to get laid well we were invited we were invited <laughs> so great because he didn't say no yeah and so uh shaw shaw has a great conversation with seven about how to find the changeling yes i love that moment that was a great where moment. he you can see why he's a captain you get yes. to see him as a captain and then you get to see how he got to be a captain yes which is that he goes to 10 forward and he dresses down picard fuck yeah and he basically goes and he says where were you ask ask your dad about this day yeah Ask your dad about this fight. Ask your dad where he was during Against the fight. Against the Borg. And it's it's the first Borg battle. And he was like, I was on this ship in engineering. I was just a grease monkey. I just put things together. I'm an asshole from Chicago. Doesn't really fucking matter. I'm just there with my friends. And all of a sudden, we're all going to die. And there's one shuttle, one chance for 10 people to get out. And we're not debating like who's going to go. people, he yeah. said or something. We're not going to debate who's going to go. We're going to wait for orders. And then just some lieutenant comes down and just starts pointing at people arbitrarily. And what I loved about that story is he said the lieutenant didn't pick themselves. Yeah. They picked just 10 people and they were going down with the ship. I was like, that is a small little part of that story, but it was such and a that, beautiful thing. That moment when Shaw is just looking at Picard and he says, why me? Why was I picked? Why yeah. was I lucky number 10? I'm an asshole from Chicago. Yeah. Why was I picked? It's like, because you need to be here, motherfucker. And that explains everything about why he hates Seven yep. and refuses to call her Seven. Why he hates Picard. And yep. then when he says, tell me, tell your son what they call you. Yeah. The name they have for you. Look, cutest of... 
that was such a beautifully acted the scene. The only Borg they ever gave a name to yeah, because you he killed that, so many. You were that fucking deadly. Yeah. And Picard drops an F-bomb. He drops an F-bomb, yeah. which is great. Oh, my God. It was so good. That was such and a And, like, how scene. Jack was going to cut him off, and Picard's like, no. No. Let him go. Yeah. Because he knew how important that part was. Yeah. That was... It was that I was could, such a I, good I scene. I could rewatch that. I'm getting... Goosebumps right yeah. now. That was such a beautiful scene. And it's just like all these moments of Shaw being an ass. You're finally like, oh, totally got it. I get it. I totally get, get it. it. This man is broken. Yeah. This man was broken a long time ago, and he just has to live with the shattered remains of himself every day. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's gonna be a tough job in this situation. Um, so, but what do you know? We need a grease monkey. Somebody's got to go into engineering. And pop open a few <coughs> things and hotwire a yep. few things because none of the newbies—they're pretty know much about opening it. up the outdoor shields of the engines. Because Beverly is a genius and a doctor. Her and her son—they both came yeah. up with it. And so, but she was the one that was measuring. That's right. She was the throughout one the whole episode. She was she was it. measuring it, and she was like five, four, three, two, one, bang. And she was like, "These are contractions. That whatever's happening, this is a birth. Yeah. And if we can analyze the type of energy that's coming out of this." gravity well we might be able to convert it into warp drive energy and so that's where the grease monkey yeah. comes in because none of these new ensign know how to hotwire this is what i love about star trek too like that is a pure science nerdy cup like yeah and it makes sense kind yeah. of like i can understand i get it i yeah. mean it makes sense in terms of the logic of this thing is happening exactly. if we can in some way dovetail with this thing it will allow us to do this, which yes. will solve our problem. Yes. And at the baseline, that's what great science fiction is. Exactly. Is it's a rational explanation. There's no magic. There's no deus ex machina. Exactly. And, you know, that's that's what was so great is the moment when they're explaining this all to Riker. And he's like, it's not going to work. Yeah. We're going to die. And then when Picard's like, we're going to fucking die anyways. What do you want to do? Not? Do you want to die here or do you want to try fighting? Yeah. You know, and um, I just, I fucking love it. So they get they get boosted out of the, the gravity well. But not before. Riker uses the tractor beam to throw a boulder. Well, so we get we get a few things. Uh, you get Amanda Plummer is a changeling. Yes. Because she cuts off her Vatic, hand. Yes, she is a changeling. She cuts off her and hand. And there's some, like... Turns into a goo monster head that tells her fucking go creepy looking yeah. goo monster head. And creepier than most things in Star Trek. Yeah, really creepy. Because it was mostly skull. Mm -hmm. It was like this gooey skull. And um, he's like, "You're going into the gravity well." And she's like, "Um, no, I'm not going into the gravity well." And he's like, "You're going into the gravity well." And she's like, "I guess I'm going into the gravity well." Yeah. When she even says, "Well, it's a suicide mission," he's like, "You're going into yeah. the gravity well." Yeah. Like, he didn't give a fuck. Yeah. So they <laughs> they're pursuing while the Titan is being warp blown out of the gravity well yeah. and as they're coalescing Riker's like let me try something we got tractor beams online oh yeah we do because this thing that we're riding this wave that we're riding it's charging every sector yeah. of the ship we got tractor beams great take that asteroid and fucking whip it <laughs> which that was a very Riker scene too. Yeah. even though he did kind of steal it from what yeah. Vatic did in the episode prior that was a very Riker scene. Yeah. And he it was so awesome. He immediately learned to use it for himself. Yeah. He said, I see you, and I'm going to take that. We, um, we did skip over when Shaw and Seven are, when they finally open up the... Yes. The changeling comes in as uh, Jordy's daughter. Jordy's daughter. And when Seven says, well, what's my name? And she doesn't call her Seven. Mm -hmm. She calls her by a full name. She shoots and kills her. And when he says, how did you know? She goes, well, she calls me Seven because she shows me respect. Mm-hmm. And that right there was like, 
That was a huge moment between those two characters. Yeah. Because you can tell that she respects Shaw for helping, uh-huh. but he might actually have some respect for her now. He's beginning to respect yes. her for real. Which was awesome. Yeah. It was such a great scene. And uh, it's just... And then there's also the great scene while they're riding the wave up before they run into Vatic, <coughs> where it's because we have this whole story about how Picard and Jack Crusher Sr. had to fly home blind. Yes. We have this whole sequence of, oh, we're only on sensors. We can't see anything. Picard, you're the only person that can get us through this. So yeah. he's, he's shouting out commands as they're going. And then his son kind of corrects him in one. Yeah. And you're like, I like He's this. like, wait, wait, wait yeah. one second. And it's going to be, you know, wait four and, seconds. And what I appreciated is there's the scene where they needed that last little bit of power to get the engines up to 100%. Mm-hmm. Where Riker said, shut off all of the, the life, support. life support. Any other sci-fi, they would have drawn out like showing people collapse. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even fucking do that. You had a few people on the ground. You, they may have just been tired from mental exhaustion. They yeah. may have been physically exhausted. But it was exhausted. like, as soon as the wave hit them, yeah. all of every everything came back online. Yeah. And it's like, I'm glad you didn't draw that out. Yeah. Because no, that's been overdone I really liked. I really liked the pacing in this episode. Oh, it so it never felt boring. It never felt old. Even when we were doing all those flashbacks to five yeah. years ago, it never felt Which, old. And then at the end of the episode, it's revealed that after all of these accolades and all these cadets are just heaping love on Picard, a lone man at the bar says, but what about family? How do you feel about family? And Picard says, Starfleet is my family. I never needed another one. Another one. And it's Jack. And then you go back to Picard, and it's him remembering this flashback and realizing it. Mm -hmm. And you could just see the dagger through his heart. Yeah. It was... I was the reason. I was the reason this whole time that I never got to know my son. Yep. Not because of anything intentional, not because I did anything wrong, but because I said the wrong thing at the wrong time. That was such a beautiful moment. Yeah. Like this really, I honestly think this was my favorite episode out of all three seasons. It was really good. It was fucking fantastic. And this is the episode where during that scene that uh, Shaw has, Mm. he says... Forget about season two. He says, forget about the Stargazer, which was the ship that the Borg made peace with in season two. He says, forget about that. Because there's still so many Borgs out there that are ultra-radicalized. Even if there's just a handful of Borgs that are on our side, there's more Borgs that aren't. Exactly. And it's, once again, the writer saying, yeah, no, season two was bad. Yeah, season two was bad. (laughs) Fuck season two. We all agree, season two was bad. Oh, it was... Like, it was as close, and I I read something online after I'd seen the episode, and I agree with it. It's as close as a TV episode of Star Trek get to the Wrath of Khan. Yeah. As far as everything about it, Mm -hmm. the emotion, the action, the everything was just, oh, it was so good. And then the, the Nebula, there really was a birth of a new species. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit. Holy shit. And was it Crusher that said, um, oh, what did she say? Seek uh, out new species. New species. Let's boldly go. Let's boldly get the hell Let's out of here. Let's boldly get the hell out of here, which was awesome. But it's like, you know, you have all of, and then the beauty of it, you have this intense episode. And then there's the beauty of them noticing that they've they found this new yeah. species that was created in front of them. And you're like, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. But it can't end on all good things. No. Because Jack Crusher may be connected to the Upside Down. There's something going on. Yeah, which 
the reason the changelings are after him is because he's got something in his head, and it's not good. He does. He's and, hallucinating. And there was that was I can't remember if it was this episode episode before where Picard has that realization. She does not want to destroy us mm-hmm. for some reason. She wants him. She wants Jack, and he doesn't even know why yeah. yet. And that's why Vatic was told to go into the gravity well in the first place. Yes, Jack Crusher was so important that she was sent on a suicide mission to make sure that he didn't die in the gravity well. Which this has been that first moment where I'm like, okay, this has got to pay off. Yeah, you got to pay off this just right. Because it, it is setting it up as a fucking bombshell thing mm-hmm. if they do it right. Yeah. I'm super curious to see where this is going. It almost... It's it's so weird. With the exception of like the Geordi and Lore storyline mm. that we know is somewhere out there, <coughs> I feel like almost all the clips we saw in the trailer were in these first four episodes. And so yeah, I'm really much. curious to see what the rest of the build and flow of the rest of the season is going to be. And it's like... I, I like this villain. Mm-hmm. It being the changelings, because it just adds that aspect of you don't fucking know yeah. where they are, who they are, what's and, going on. And it's like, I will say, there were certain elements of the writing that I think accidentally kind of Sandcastle fell apart on them. Uh-huh. Where they're like, yeah, all kinds of different people from all walks of life, from Starfleet to Bounty Hunters to everybody, were coming after us for Jack. And I'm like, yeah, because he's wanted mm-hmm. for money mm-hmm. and... So, yeah, bounty hunters and Starfleet will want him. Mm-hmm. But what their point was, was that it was changelings who could become anybody. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of lost in the sauce of, like... Mm-hmm. But he's also just wanted generally by the authorities, yeah. so... And it, it I, I just thought of this. It does hark back to... You saw uh, Star Trek VI, the Undiscovered Country, right? I think so, yeah. When Spock and... Or not Spock, when Bones and Kirk escaped the prisons with the Changeling. Yeah. And it's like, I think that's the only other time other than Deep Space Nine that you hear about Changelings. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's really connecting, like, And that is the one thing these... I do feel Picard has been good at, is going into the lore, finding something, yes. and saying, we're going to spend a lot of time on this. Yes. And so we'll see. It's we'll fucking see. awesome. We'll see if Will Wheaton comes back this season. Is that ever, is that storyline from season I, two ever going to be really tied off? I really hope there's some kind of connect. Because if... It's it's kind of like uh, there was a great um, interview with I can't remember his fucking name Chris somebody talking about wasted death scenes and horrible death scenes in movies and he brings up the Force Awaken he goes you create a new Star Wars movie with the original cast and you never have a scene of Han Luke and Leia together mm-hmm. that and it'll never happen again because you kill off Han it is blasphemy. Got to have a scene that has um, Wesley and his mother together. Yeah. You got it. You cannot have the two. Because you've shown that Wesley's part of this world now. Yeah. You cannot have a, a, a show that has her and you know he's there. Where she's brought up how he just disappeared. Yes. They have to have that. She talks about when she's talking to Picard in episode three about all that she's lost. One of the things that she lists as being lost is, is Wesley. Wesley. Yes. And it's just like... Are we gonna cap this well? There has to be. Like, I will be furious mm-hmm. if this ends. No matter how great, it's gonna be the greatest season ever. If they don't have that reunion, yeah, that better not be a hanging Chad. No, that better not be one of those things where, if God willing, I'm ever for whatever fucking reason I'm watching season two again, mm. and I get to that moment where Soji and Will Wheaton just walk off into the. Well, that's another thing. 
you gotta at least have Soji. She's the main character in the she first. She was two the main seasons. character of the first season and the second season. She, she was, was an a major, extremely character. important character. You gotta have it. You gotta. There's yeah. got to be a cap. Yeah, it's got to be a cap for those. When two. lore comes in, Soji better be somewhere in this plot line. That's like, got to be. That's got to be. All so right, we'll so see. We'll see. Hopeful. Hopeful. That but, was once again fantastic episode. I really enjoyed it. All right. So now we got to move on to the Last of Us. Yeah. Episode seven and eight. Now, seven was a. Was it the second game? Somebody said it was a. It was a flashback showing Ellie's backstory. With her mm-hmm. and um, Riley, Riley, who is her roommate and friend and love interest, love interest, and it is I've seen the side by sides. It is really just ripped right out of the video game, mm-hmm. pretty much. These two episodes were very good for different reasons. Mm-hmm. This one I love because you do get, you do need backstory for Ellie. Yeah, we do need a few things answered. Absolutely, and what pisses me off about this this series. I understand being somebody who hates like watching the Harry Potter movies, realizing what was not like exactly like the mm-hmm. book. The people who are fans of this game, who watch these shows, and are like, "No, it's not enough like the game." It's like, "Fuck, you're out of your mind." You're out of your goddamn mind. Yeah. And like to complaining about this episode because I, I heard a lot of comparisons to the episode in Stranger Things, the, not this past season, the season before, that shows L and they have like that gang. Oh, season two, yeah, the season yeah, yeah. two one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this was absolutely nothing like that. No, you you have a major character that we have only heard glimpses of her backstory. Yeah, you need fucking backstory. Well, not only that. If we're talking about that particular episode, the infamous season two, episode seven of Stranger Things, yeah. the episode so bad that it tanked an entire storyline. Yes. That was a multi-tier problem. Yes. Where I get the comparison because in theory you have a young impressionable girl and the, the woman who's trying to in some way teach her something. Yes. So here you have two girls and they're trying to teach each other something or show each other something. And, uh, oh yeah, the girl in Stranger Things had a group of obnoxious, stupid hooligans yep. who clouded the entire plot line, all of which came to nothing. It meant nothing in the end. It was just bullshit, nothing garbage, which was basically there to tell the audience, hey, Elle has more control over her powers now. Mm. It was basically a chance to be like, Elle, we're going to the skill tree. <laughs> pick out five new skills. You have you have this many experience points. Pick out five new skills mm. off the skill tree, and we'll use them in the season finale. Mm. And here, <coughs> this is a love story. You know, it's not as it's Bill a and, beautiful. Love it's story. not Bill and Frank, but it's yeah. a love story. Yeah, and it's it's a teenage love story of two kids who don't get along with anybody, who have to fight and grind for everything in life. Mm-hmm who uh, at, at one point there's a great scene, a great scene where after Ellie gets in a fight in the gym, she's taken to the principal office, but since it's a military school, she's taken to the general's the office. The commanding officer or whatever, yeah. And he basically lays out what actually is happening in this world. You can be a grunt or you can be an officer. Do you want to wake up and shovel shit or do you want to not have to go out, not have to do patrols, and just give orders to the people who have to shovel shit. Yeah. And it shows you that even in this, or especially in this 
fallen society. Mm. People are even more fallen to the point of the authorities who are supposed to be protecting everybody. They're bored. Yeah. How can you, how can you be bored? There's no way you can be bored. And Ellie is just like, she's almost drinking the Kool-Aid on this. Yeah. And Riley comes back and says, don't drink that Kool-Aid. Cause she has become a firefly. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> They go out on this date to the mall, and it's really beautiful. The scene of them jumping over rooftops, that's a lot of fun. That was awesome. And they get to the mall, and uh, Ellie's like, the mall's full of infected. And Riley's like, that's what they want you to think. Yeah. And they go in, no infected. Turn on the lights, no infected. They have a great time. They go and see the the four slash five wonders of the mall. And as they're going along, they play some Mortal Kombat, they go Which into the photo like, booth. After 20 years, none of those video games would have worked. No, <laughs> All those boards no, would have been no, fine. <laughs> no, It's no, cool no. that they did, yeah. but none of them would have Well, it, it's one of those things where, like, it, it, any any apocalypse movie mm. has a moment like that of, like, <laughs> cute, no. Yeah, that was like, yeah, not after 20 years. <laughs> I, I like the concept, yeah. but uh, no. So they have this great date at the mall, yeah. and somewhere way in the back, an infected has woken up. I guess it's in an American Girl store. <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. But anyway, they're in a spirit Halloween, hanging out, having fun. And they, they do a little kissing. They talk a lot. And Riley tells Ellie, I'm going to Atlanta. And I want you to come with me. And Ellie's like, I don't know what to do with any of mm. that information. And zombie attack. And they both get bit. The salient line mm. is... Don't waste the time you have because Ellie wants to kill herself and Riley is like, we only have a few hours. Let's just enjoy them. Mm -hmm. Let's just enjoy them while we can. And all of this is pertinent because Joel is still dying. Yes. (laughs) And uh, Ellie decides she's not just going to let Joel die. She's going to fight to keep him alive. She dragged him. To a house Which makes you think she had like tied him to the horse or something because I can't imagine her getting him on the horse. Yeah. Which, still Bella Ramsey, it blows my mind that she's 19. She looks so young. She looks so young. She's 19 looks like in she's real 13. life, almost 20. She looks like she's 13. Yeah, she's a really young yeah, looking. super young looking um, face. So she gets, yeah, she gets him into the basement of this house. Yeah. And. Gets a, a needle and thread, sews him up. Which was awesome. Yeah. And just like, really just gutting it out, fighting for every inch. Yeah. And that's that's how episode seven ends. We yeah. don't really get. There any, wasn't a huge. No, we don't even get a scene where Ellie finds out that she is immune. We're going to probably get that in season two when we get the scene of her killing Riley. Which yeah, because she, she now we know that she had to kill Riley at some point. And she did say it wasn't the first person she had killed. Yeah. So you know damn well it's who yeah. she killed. Yeah. So uh, that explains a lot of why Ellie is the way that she is. Yep. Um, and once again, I tell mm. any haters. Character is important, oh and I would think you would understand that. And I get the idea of wanting everything to be just so. Believe me, I had to suffer through Spider-Man: Homecoming and yeah, Spider-Man: Far did. From Home. I get it. Yeah. Okay. I, I get it. You want it to be authentic. You want it to feel right. Right. I get it. How can this not be? <laughs> this feels so authentic to yeah. everything. And you know, admittedly, listening to Neil Druckmann every episode, you kind of get the sense mm. of you know, him defending their choices. But at the same time, it totally makes sense. And they're very open about it. You can't have it 100% identical. I mean, you go back to the scene where they're trying masks on. It's the same fucking masks in the game. Like, how much authenticity do you fucking want? Yeah, And it's so authentic. Oh, I'm sorry. Is Assassin's Creed how you wanted to go? 
what were you looking for here? Did you want this to be the my, yeah. the Michael Fassbender Assassin's Creed? Where on the scale of Mortal Kombat Annihilation and uh, Uncharted, which yeah. was decent, oh, pretty good, yeah. but still didn't always commit to what we wanted, and we still had to deal with fucking Sullivan over here. Oh my god! Um, so like, well, the biggest complaints I heard, and this is the part that pissed me off, were about Episode Eight, and Episode Eight is fucking insane that is the most it was one of the most intense episodes of television ever like at the end i was like holy shit yeah so uh i almost called him pedro (laughs) joel is still out on his ass yes and uh ellie goes hunting because they need food and ellie finds a deer you hear a clicker but it never comes back into the plot uh, which was an interesting choice, yeah. a, a, not a bad choice, just like a very atmospheric choice of like, oh yeah, there are monsters out here. Don't yeah. don't forget. But so she pops this deer, it runs off. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself because we have a cult <laughs> that we need to to introduce. Yes. Uh, so you have David and his cult. Yes, religious cult. David, it, we're introduced to David and his cult of weirdos who live in this town somewhere between Colorado and Utah, mm. and I think Silver Lake, which was a resort, wherever. Mm. Um, so they they are mourning losses and doing very creepy religious stuff, mm-hmm. and it's it's very of the flock. You know, everybody's just eating out of his hand, and it's just weird. And I love how he looks normal, mm-hmm. and everyone else looks gaunt, yeah, and exhausted. And that was fucking weird. And we're back to Troy Baker. Yes, because Troy Baker, who Holy originally shit. played Joel, plays James, who is Dave's right hand man. Yeah, and. Uh, he's the one who's like, he's barely hanging on. Oh yeah, barely by three. And he looks so sullen and just careworn and destroyed internally. Yeah. And you know he knows the secret of the town. Yeah. You know he knows. Because the when of they're the town. talking outside and he goes, they think they saw some deer. Yeah. You could tell it was almost like code. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know if that's deer. Yeah. So James and David find the deer that Hunty shot. Yes. That Hunty shot. The Ellie shot. Ellie shot. And Ellie has them at gunpoint, has them throw down their weapons, and basically says, you're not taking this deer. And David says, we can trade. And Ellie says, do you have medicine? And so David sends James to go get penicillin. Mm-hmm. And James has given David this look like, are you fucking serious right now? Yeah. And again, something else is happening here. Uh, so David and Ellie go into a little cabin they set up a fire while they wait for James to come back with the mm-hmm. medicine. And David starts talking about how we found God and how he didn't find he used God. He was a school teacher. He was a school himself. teacher. He didn't find God until after the apocalypse, which is either the best or worst time to find God. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just really looking out for my flock. I'm just trying to get everybody by. It's been a hard time. We started out here. We got pushed to here. We just picked up people along the way. We found our way here. And we're just trying to live out whatever mm-hmm. existence we have. Sure. Um, and James comes back <laughs> James has a gun on Ellie mm-hmm. so James gives Ellie the medicine and basically she leaves yeah because Dave tells her to put tells him to put the gun down yeah even though they could have just taken her yeah so gives her the medicine Ellie doesn't get any of the deer mm-hmm. she just leaves with the medicine before anything bad can happen because she gets the sense that this is going to go bad real fast mm-hmm. if she sticks around uh, good sense um so she goes home. She starts sticking uh, penicillin into Joel, just wherever, just willy-nilly all over the place. And 
she hears the men coming back. Well, because you, you forgot to mention the one thing. When her and David are talking, he mentions how the people that were killed oh, yeah. were killed by a guy who was traveling with, with a young girl. girl. So he's like, I know who the fuck you are. Yeah. So it turns out those raiders that Joel was were fighting the... were survivors, yes. not raiders. Although, I still attest, they swung first. Well, and she even said he was defending himself Yeah. when she was talking about Joel later. Yeah. And it's like, they yeah. were, you know... Under a different impression. You, you were the aggressors here. Let's <clears throat> exactly. make no mistake. Um, if you're Which not we Raiders, found out why, why they because, were after them. Well, we're, we'll say that they were hunting and just <clears throat> oh, kind of leave hunting. it at that. Yeah. Um, so they, David and James get back and everybody in town is in their mess hall and there's two people cooking dinner and they bring out a tray of meat and the woman says, what kind of meat is it? And the guy says, Venison. deer. Yeah. And there's just this silent look between the two of them. And you're like, this is really bad. This is really <laughs> this bad. This is really bad, guys. I know the Donner Party. This is really bad. And um, so James, or uh, not James, David tells the town, hey, we found this girl and this guy. And we're going to go out and bring some justice to the man who killed your dad. Yeah. And the little girl whose dad dies is like, you should kill the girl, too. And David slaps her in slaps the face. Slaps the shit out of her, yeah. And then goes and sits happily eating. Yeah. And you get the sense of who in town knows the sin of the town and who doesn't. Yeah. And all the people who are happily eating don't know. The people who are kind of cautiously eating, they know. David, thrilled to eat. Yeah. And uh, and it shows the people eating ravenously. Yeah. Which makes it creepier, creepier. knowing what they're eating. Yeah. So they go back to this town Yeah. where they, they track Ellie back to this town. And she goes to Joel and she's like, here's a knife. People are coming. I'm going to try and hide you and I'm going to try and lead them away. If anybody comes, you fucking kill them. Yeah. And she so gets on the horse. Gets on the horse. Takes off. Takes off. James shoots the horse. Oh Ellie gets a bad concussion. Oh, uh, yeah. I'd say so. And then they're like, kill her. And James is like, I'm going to kill her. Yeah. And David's like, no, I think she's cute. Yeah. And... It's like, God, oh, so it's going here. Yep. Go good. Yep. The, David's like, if you want to go murder somebody, go find the guy that deserves to be murdered. Yeah. And so the guys go hunting oh door God. to door. And Joel, oh, I don't know if it's the penicillin talking or oh what, God. but Joel. You want to talk about what adrenaline does to somebody? Yeah. That torture scene. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then when he just kills him, and then the other one's like, he told you. He told you all he knew. And he goes, what I, does he say? He says, I know everything I need to know. I know everything. And then he just kills him. Just takes a <laughs> pipe and caves the guy's head he in. Caves it in. And just like, oh, Whoa. my God. Joel's on the warpath, guys. Dude. Get ready. Storms are brewing. And speaking Fuck. of storms, back at camp, Ellie is waking up, still concussed. And she's locked in a She's cell. locked in a weird chicken wire cage. Yep in a kitchen and she looks over and sees something and we don't get to see immediately what it is and then david comes in he's like oh we're a flock and i need a wife and it would be i think that you're a great leader and all these other things and i'm like why are you so gross and then they zoom and you see the ear there's an ear under the table and david's like oh yeah you know you gotta survive. I'm not yeah. proud of it. It's not like I'm happy about it, but like he seems kind of happy about it. He seems kind of thrilled about the whole thing. And then you find out that David doesn't actually believe in God. David believes in the mushroom. Yeah, the the creature. Yeah, whatever, I can't yeah. remember what the mushroom's called. Yeah. Uh, that's his actual God. Yeah, that he prays to. Everybody else prays to God, and he says he prays to God, but he's actually praying to the mushroom. Yeah, 
and uh david's crazy it's fucking awesome <laughs> david's fucking crazy that turn is like oh yeah and, so fucked up and so he goes to ellie and and he's like but if it's just us we can survive we can thrive we can be great in this world and great for this world yeah and he puts his hands over hers and ellie's like yeah i hope you don't like this finger and she then she breaks bites. it she breaks it and then bites his hand <laughs> well she bites his hand when they come back oh that's right because they, they, back they give her an ultimatum yes and they say you can either marry david yes. or we'll eat you and so they let her out of the cage and while she's fighting them uh she bites david yeah and then she's like, look at my arm. And David looks and he's like, that doesn't... I, I and don't, Troy Baker's like, what uh, the What's fuck? going on? What's happening? And then Ellie takes a cleaver and sticks it in his head. <laughs> Troy Baker's head. Troy Baker's yes, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sticks it right in his neck. Oh my God, it was so brutal. And Hop skips out of there. Oh and David's just kind of left there being like, uh, okay. So he follows Terminator style. Ellie grabs the log out of the fire. Uh-huh. And David is monologuing about how he's right and she's wrong. And Ellie throws the log at him, but not at him. She throws it over him, and it starts a fire in the corner. And David looks at the fire and looks at Ellie and looks at the fire and looks at Ellie and looks at the fire and looks at Ellie. And he's like, yeah, fire doesn't really bother me. Which is fucking insane. I was like, holy shit. Jesus, this dude God. is that fucked up. Yeah. He's just watching the fire grow and, oh and spread, God. and he's just like, I'm okay with this. And, and then while this is happening, Joel makes it to their... Joel has made it to the town. The town, and he goes into their ice house, let's yes. say, and he sees the dead horse, and then he sees the dead bodies, bodies that have that... been gutted like sides of beef. Yeah, they, they have clippings yeah. taken out of them. And uh, he starts putting things together. Yeah. And but there's a there's a big storm, and it is very hard to push through without any kind of horse or car or yeah. any any mechanical assistance. So Joel is pushing his way, trying to find Ellie. He doesn't know where she is. Ellie is in significant danger, and David pretty much takes the cleaver out of uh, James's neck. Yep. And uh, is just like okay. Well, if I can't have you, I'll kill you. But not before I try and rape you um, in the middle of this fire. (laughs) And so he does. And Ellie fucking destroys him. Takes that knife. Yep. Bangs it into his head. And then it's just, it's just swings. It's just swing away. Brutal with the cleaver. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you don't see You don't see see anything. But you see the splashes of blood. Oh my God. She's splattered with blood and she is just going. She's screaming her head off. Yeah. That was insane. She finally gets out of the flaming house and runs into Joel and is freaked the fuck out, understandably. Mm -hmm. And Joel comforts her as he would a daughter. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of the episode. That was... (laughs) But this is what I mean when I was saying earlier why I wanted to do Picard and and The Last of Us. Because those second episodes from each one were just... Unbelievable. They were great episodes of television. Unbelievable. Amazing. Amazing. This, and you know, the complaints I heard were that, A, she uses a bow, not a rifle to shoot the deer, and then supposedly in the game, her and David fight off some of the infected, and so, like, that brings them together and makes it... But that wasn't what we were doing here. No, it wasn't. And it's like, that's not, like, that's... 
that's a scene you need in a video game because you need action to keep yeah. a gamer going. Yeah. But in a, a narrative, you don't need that. Going back, we're going to hotwire this together like Shaw. Going yes. back to our conversation we were, we've were been having yes. about how to adjudicate action sequences. Exactly. I get the impulse to want to have an action sequence there, right? That's what Mandalorian did. It yeah. had a big, splashy action sequence here. But having the subtleness yeah. of this is so much more in line with the story that they're exactly. telling. And you don't want to ingratiate David to the audience. No. That's not what you want to do no. with his character. You don't want the audience to think, oh, he's a good guy. You maybe want that for like the first few minutes. Yeah. There's some Midwesterners that would be like, oh, but he's just a nice a nice uh, uh, priest. He's mm. just trying to lead the flock. But like, no. Yeah. Uh, no. No. Um, and you didn't need to, like, this is a storyline that if it was in The Walking Dead, they would have dragged it out over ten episodes. Mm-hmm. Oh, he would like, have been the villain of the season. Oh, yeah, exactly. Where it's like, you don't need to do that. No. And when would you have done that? Yeah. What would you have cut out of this story so you could have a scene where David and Ellie fight a bunch of infected no. while James is off getting the medicine? And I appreciate the fact that you can have an episode without any infected yeah the two best episodes this season episode three and episode eight didn't have one infected in, in either one of them yeah like you said you heard this you heard an infected in this one but mm-hmm. you never see him you can have a show about this infection without having infected and still have it be great the monsters i get the impulse from people to say but i want the monsters to be the main character mm. but like with so many horror movies like people who complain about the Babadook because there isn't a monster hunting them. The monster is the mother's depression and the son's um, autism. Yeah, that's the monster in the movie, and it comes at night. So many other monster movies mm-hmm. that ended up not really having it a monster because the monster was representative of something else. Mm-hmm. I get that impulse from fans to be like, "But I want the monster. That's why I like Last of Us is because the monster." And it's like, "But like, listen, I get it." There are certain Spider-Man villains that I think you have to do, right? I think you do a disservice to the character by not doing those villains. You're not capitalizing on every opportunity that this provides. However, (laughs) I would say if your only goal is to do that one thing and not develop any other characteristics Mm. of anything else, that's going to be a problem. Because you need to focus on the characteristics. You need to focus mm-hmm. on what makes Ellie a good character. You need to focus on the world building. You need to have these other interactions with other people in this world. What we're interested in most is the world. Mm-hmm. The infected are part of that world. The Joel is part of that world. The fall of civilization is part of that world. Mm-hmm. Religion is still part of that world. How people handle things nowadays. These are all things that we want to touch on. We yeah. don't want to just have every episode be, where's the infected? We got to go shoot an infected because we haven't had one this week. You know, I remember I wrote a script for a class Mm. and I presented it and it was a superhero script because I'm a one trick pony. Mm. (laughs) And the professor said, oh, you could do this as a a monster every week, a monster of the week kind of series. I was like, I don't want it to be monster of the week because that's so devaluing Mm -hmm. to what this can be. Mm -hmm. So it's like I would let's do the character stuff because this is an avenue to do it in. And I think that's what Druckmann was really going for. Yeah. I don't think he wrote this to have a and zombie thing. Great horror stories show you that the monster isn't always the monster. The monster is one of many monsters. Like, if you look at The Walking Dead, once again, I keep going back to that just because there's some parallels. It's the most recent zombie big budget If thing. you look at The Governor in, I think it was season two or season three, and then Negan, they were worse than the zombies. Mm-hmm. And this one, David... 
far more of a monster than the creatures. The creatures are just nature coming at us. And that's one of those things that we got with Kathleen and the Kansas City Fedra revolution. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Of just like, sometimes you have actual monsters and then you have the monstrosity of humanity exposed by the situation. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, a good story does both because both are equally important. Exactly. 28 Days Later isn't just zombies, isn't just running from zombies. You know, there's a whole thing about military industrial complex. There's a thing about single fathers with Brendan Gleeson. Like, there's so many things in there. And if you were to just boil it down to every 10 minutes, there's got to be a zombie. It would destroy everything that's being built. If... The Last of Us had to have one scene of a zombie attacking somebody every episode. Mm. It would get so old and so bland. And the monster in this episode was far more terrifying than any of the monsters we've seen so far in this series. So it's like, the people that complain, oh, I want... You got a great monster. You You got got somebody that is like borderline Joker. Yeah. As far as a psychopath. A sociopath. Sociopath. Just insane. He's a pedophile. He's a cannibal. He's just horrible. He's a horrible individual. And you're saying this wasn't, you wanted him to be more charismatic. Yeah. You wanted to be able to connect with him more. And you can't tell me that Ellie killing a zombie would be any more impactful than her killing David at the end of this. And if your issue is the idea of a young woman killing an older man who was sexually assaulting her, and your issue is like, oh, I'm so tired. Fucking get over it. Yeah. Okay? Because it is still an issue, and your own issues with it, and the grim reflection it shows of you, is something that you have to just get over. And I actually told somebody at work, have you ever heard of a movie called Hard Candy? I've heard of it, yeah. With Elliot Page now, but it was Ellen Page back in the day, and it was about this girl who befriends this guy, finds him online, goes back to his house, ties him up and tortures him yeah. because you find out, it, spoilers, folks, it's like a 20-year-old, 20-year-old movie. movie. At the end, you find out that he is a pedophile who kidnapped and killed one of her friends. Mm-hmm. She found out who he was and then just returned the favor. Yeah. And it was like, sometimes those stories like are freaking impactful. Yeah. Like, this shit happens and you need to be able to flesh it out. That is an important psychological thing to tackle Yeah, in terms of just... Everything and it's just as important as anything else we're talking and about. And when you in the can series. pull it off in the middle of a zombie show, yeah, that's fantastic writing. And you don't you think that this didn't get you think sexual assault didn't get worse after the world fell? Oh my god, are you fucking insane? Yeah, people probably became Vikings after the world fell. Are you fucking crazy? This is, of course, is going to be something that we're going to have to touch on. It's going to come up. Yeah. Humans are disgusting, gross, awful people. Oh, we're the worst species ever found on this planet. I, so, like, it's going to come up. Yeah. <laughs> we do terrible things to each other. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. And, like, having this moment of Ellie asserting herself and taking control of her life, and it's not Joel that saves her. She is 100% the only person that gets herself out of that situation. Yeah. No one else gets her out of the cage. No one else feeds her anything. No one else helps her along. No one gives her any hints. No one is, you know, man with a plan, man in the chair, you know, shooting somebody from a mile away, making sure that Ellie has a clear path to whatever. Well, and that's what made this even more impactful is seeing her reaction to shooting a guy to save Joel to now brutally hacking someone to death. Mm-hmm. You know this next episode, she is going to be severely fucked up. Oh, yeah. 
And I, I cannot wait. And I hope they better not just like blow off it where she's like normal again. Well, I'm wondering if this is just going to get to a point kind of knowing how the season ends. Mm. Kind of, I'm not going to say anything, but kind of like pseudo spoilers. Yep. Uh, I'm going to wonder if this impacts her psychology going into the final conflict. Oh, yeah. Of like she's faced with this decision. And maybe she's okay with it. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't mind it. Maybe at this point, she's had enough. This is such a great show. Yeah. It really is a great show. All right, folks. Well, that was Marathon episode number 92 of Marathon <laughs> Generations. You know what, though? I could talk for another hour. Oh, yeah. Like, it was so great. I mean, we didn't get to do a show last week. We, of course, have to go along this week. Oh, my God. We have so much. Next week, we'll, we'll tie it in a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, so, once again, this has been episode 92. So, please go back and listen to the previous 91 episodes if you're a first-time listener. Uh, also, let all your friends and enemies know you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you want to know a little bit more about us individually, you can find me at staylorbooks.com. You can find me at judsomstudios.work under the Bronx Division tab. We'll see you next week, We folks. will be back next week, friends and enemies. I can't wait. Coming up as Dungeons and Dragons. We got some fun <laughs> stuff coming up towards the end of the month. I can't wait. I'm angry that it's already the end of March, though. We'll say that. Yeah, I know. That pisses me off. Have a great daylight savings, friends and enemies. Bye, guys.